welcome to Moralia Python Radio with your hosts, Eric Burke and Owen McIntyre. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Moralia Python Radio. Tonight, for those who are listening live, we are coming at you early because um, we wanted to get Nick on here and... uh, the only way you could do it is if we did it earlier. But tonight, we're talking with uh, Nick uh, Mutton, and we're talking with uh, Chris Salemi. Not Salami, Salemi. Salemi. <laughs> sure. You've learned that over <laughs> yeah. the years. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, gosh. What? So last, I guess it was, what, 2015, uh, when Nick Mutton, Ryan young and a couple other people went to Australia and I couldn't go that I swore that I would go in 2016. Um, Right. So unfortunately that didn't work out because of my whole buying a house and all that kind of stuff. Life got in the way. I couldn't do it. Um, And I got a lot of text messages and pictures and all kinds of stuff that were sent to me. While these guys were over there. So it was our trip that we started, me and Owen, and we didn't end up going. <laughs> so I'm sure at going. some point during the show, we're going to get our balls busted for uh, – What do you mean for... some point? The entire show <laughs> was going to get our balls busted. Uh, I mean, Jesus. I, and and the killer thing is that they're like – I mean, you couldn't go because of the money, and I couldn't go because I couldn't get any of the – uh, appropriate documentation done in time. Um, it was just like one of that because st- because of the typo on my birth certificate, so I couldn't get that done. And they're over there holding like wild scrubs and doing all this other fun stuff, and it's like, oh god, it's killer. Yeah. But, but yeah. We- to us. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's weird. You're my okay. All right. Your microphone muted was muted. muted. No, your microphone was uh, was muted, but I could hear you. So maybe I was talking to myself in those opening uh, remarks. I'm not sure. Probably, but, uh... but that's not, you know, <laughs> not anything new. I mean, there have been numerous <laughs> occasions where you or me or at last are just talking to ourselves. So yeah. So uh, I don't know why we wait for those guys to call in. What's going on? I'm just working. Um, I mean, I got the. Uh, I, I have a few females that are getting pretty up to size, getting pretty big and ballooned and pretty hard. So it's like uh, I'm pretty sure I have maybe four or five uh, females so far, and I'm getting locks from a bunch of other stuff. It's like one of those. I start counting baby cages and realize that um, I may have overdone it again. So hopefully, I. I mean, it's like. I would love to have a ton of babies, but then I'm like, what the hell do I do if they all show up? So we'll see how this goes. If they all show up, well. If I get a bunch of eggs, it's like, (laughs) shit. So, you know. Yeah. uh, We'll we'll figure that out. That's future Owen's problem. That guy's a jerk. So, you know, it's it's okay. Um, One more, one thing, thing before we get the, uh, these guys on, um, we have uh, officially been nominated uh, for the 2016 yes. radio show or podcast, whatever you want to call it, uh, by the Reptile Report. 
Um, Owen's in desperate need of a trophy. He's jealous of my trophy <laughs> sitting on the desk. <laughs> so uh, I need, let's see if I need we can make that happen for him. That's all I really want. <laughs> He's a millennial. He needs all that, you know, you know, Stop everybody it. gets a trophy. Promise you wouldn't bring yourself <laughs> anymore. <laughs> Owen's feeling upset. Anyway, we've been nominated. Um, there's, I think, maybe, what, like 10 other radio shows that are nominated. Uh, yes. The hurdle is going to be for us is that there's a couple ball python shows, and, you know, there's like 50 – 50,000 ball python keepers out there as opposed to, well, I don't know if that's the right number, but you know, 20,000 <laughs> carpet people. So uh, I think it's the way it is, is that uh, the link is over on, Mo, you know, Morelia pick of the week, our Facebook page, Morelia Python radio. Um, and then what you vote every day, I think. Is that how it works? Yes. And then uh, yep, you can vote every day. Yeah. Yep. So hopefully we can, uh, we can bring it home for, for the Morelia community again. Uh, you know, I, I just think it's uh, a testament to all the breeders and keepers that come on here to talk about, you know, what they do and giving people tips and tricks and, uh, you know, just making uh, the hobby exciting for, uh, you know, you know what I mean? Cause uh, like last night, yeah. last week talking to Ryan, you know, I, I was like excited about short tails again after hearing them because, you know, that passion was flowing, you know what I mean? <laughs> he got it. He got it going. So, uh, so that's right. good. You it still is. See. And I mean, like, it, it's one of those things where obviously if enough people enjoy it, we love to, uh, hear that people are enjoying the show. People listen to the show. And, uh, obviously after doing five years worth of a show almost every week, it's like, uh, It'd be very cool to take that thing at home uh, again. I know we got it last year, but, you know, it'd be cool to have two years in a row. So. Yeah. I think we're up to 300 episodes for now. I think that's Holy our number. crap. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but uh, so, yeah, tonight, uh, well, it's like it's like a dream trip. And, again, like I said, me and Owen were actually supposed to people that went on this trip. And – we ended up that we couldn't go. And like I said, we'll get our balls busted for the entire episode of uh, <laughs> why we weren't there and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know? uh, but um, I mean, it's a dream trip for everybody that keeps carpets. I mean, it's one thing to keep them in a box, but it's a totally different thing to, uh, to, to go over where they're from and see them in the wild. Now I know Nick has been on the show multiple times talking about it, but I'm curious right. to see Chris's input on on right. things so i don't know let's get these guys on let's get it going uh, what's up guys nick chris welcome to the show glad to have you back hey <laughs> hey how's it going pretty good fantastic so get get it out of the way go ahead it's not the kind of thing you can get out of the way all at once. You got to savor it over the course mm. of the whole, oh. the whole yeah, show. Right. Okay. Like it like, don't want to shoot the wad all at the beginning. Got to, got to pace yourself. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right then. Yeah. yeah. We still got a couple months for coffee pass, so uh, we'll let you have it at the end. Yeah. Hopefully it'll write its course by then. 
<laughs> yeah. Man. So I guess maybe start by telling us where you went. Where did you guys go? Uh, I don't know what the protocol is for who talked first. It's the, <laughs> I don't want to cut Chris <laughs> off or anything. But, uh, well, Nick, Nick probably knows the names of all the uh, all the locations that we hit uh, better than I do. Okay. Uh, yeah, we uh, flew into Cairns right off the bat and uh, rented a very questionable vehicle. <laughs> the trip because, well, when you go up the Cape, when you go up the Cape, you're really because it's seasonally flooded and the roads wash out because you have to. There are no bridges over any rivers. You just have to drive through the freaking river. The river just flows dry 90% of the time, but during the wet, they'll flood, and you'll literally have to, at different times, you'll have to drive through various amounts of water, and then eventually it gets wet enough and you can't, it's impassable. Uh, When we went into November, beginning of December, December 1st is basically the cutoff for all the rental car companies where they won't rent you a vehicle, a four-wheel drive, to go up that far north because your odds of getting swept down the river or, getting stranded are pretty high, so they won't rent you on. So we had a hard time finding a vehicle because though we left to head up the Cape before December 1st, we weren't going to come back until after December 1st. And so we ultimately had to find kind of a, kind of a, instead of renting like a nice like Land Rover or something like we wanted, we ended up in like literally in a Subaru Forester, mm-hmm. <laughs> an all-wheel drive. Which is great <laughs> if you're taking your kids to soccer practice, but <laughs> it's a little bit... It's all-wheel drive, but that's not really four-wheel drive. It's not a real four-wheel no. drive. And consider, no. And we literally drove 3,700 miles on this thing, and it literally just, just – I mean, just – it was hard on the vehicle, I'll say. But uh, it made it and got us there. Uh, only only blew out two tires and demolished one rim and broke the front bumper. So, all in all, not too bad. Uh, and I'm pretty sure – wow. Pretty sure it wasn't designed to fit people of our size either. No, let alone <laughs> five of us. And uh, yeah, it just going like a million miles an hour on these dirt roads that are. I mean, most of the Cape is not paved. You get little stretches. Uh, it's you know, basically a thousand miles up to the tip of it, and there'll be like every like 150 miles, you'll get like 20 miles of paved road just randomly interspersed throughout all this dirt. And I think they just, like, did the math and figured out, okay, where's the point where people are just about to lose their mind and go crazy? <laughs> then they give you, like, 20. Then you get, like, 15 minutes of paved roads, and you're just, like, thanking God. And then it's right back <laughs> to this corrugated dirt that's just bone jarring. And so I, I wondered, like, what? why would they pave, like, random sections in the middle of nowhere? It's, like, probably because you're just about the point where you're going to lose it. And then it smooths out for a little while. And then back to, you know, two more hours of rattling. But, uh no, we got into Cairns and uh, headed north almost immediately uh, and herping the whole way. Uh, there's really only one road that goes up. Uh, there's really very little infrastructure in Cape York Peninsula. Uh, very, right. Very little infrastructure. You have the one main road that goes up. There are very few side roads. There's really almost no access to the Gulf of Carpentaria. Almost no roads go there or to the coast. You pretty much got one road to drive up. So, when you see locality animals and stuff that people post from various locality lines, you know that all those animals originated from right off that road because there isn't any, there isn't <laughs> any other roads. So it's like, you know, when you see a, wow. a Wenlock River or something or other, it's like, well, that's, you know where that was because you passed, because you got no choice. 
it's uh, so it's kind of interesting to go to you see all these places. But uh, you know, we had to cross the Wenlock River, the Pasco River, the Jardine River, and the uh, Archer River for the four river crossings. Which fortunately for us, all of them were dry, even though it's kind of late in the season. We had a right. unusually uh, favorable conditions. The Jardine River is permanent water, and it, so that's way, 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 way up the north. There's actually a ferry for that one, but uh, you don't have to drive through anything. But yeah, that was the wow. that was the goal all the way. Uh, we originally planned on just driving up to Iron Range and looking for green trees and scrubbies, uh, but uh, got a bug up our ass to like, you know what? It's only another 600 kegs or whatever. Why don't we drive all the way to the tip of the continent and get as far north as we can? And we did. Just just to plant our flag, I guess, and say we did it. Wow. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. That. It was pretty awesome, though, actually, to get to realize how far you'd gone up there and everything and be there. So, that wow. Was, uh, and you guys missed out. Yeah. And how many how, how many days was the trip? How many days did you guys down there? Do you remember? We were there probably 11. 11 days? Yeah, that sounds about right. You get okay. kind of this weird time warp thing happens where you don't know what day it is. You don't know what day of the week it is. At least I can't keep track of that stuff. You don't know how long you've been there because you travel in time when you go across the international state line. You you tr- jump forward on an entire day. You travel forward in time a whole day. That There's like a whole day of your life that never actually occurs because you skipped it because you crossed the international date line. And on the way back, you have one day of your life that's like 47 hours long because you go backwards across the date line. You live, you live the same day twice. And I get all screwed up with that stuff. I don't know what I mean. Usually, I'm traveling with somebody that pays more attention to me. Fortunately, you know what they say, Nick. You might, you probably know this, maybe, but they say when uh, I heard this from uh, Joe Rogan. But when he has uh, problems with that, he works out and that goes away. He just that's like right. goes that's, to the gym, hits it up. It's all. It's a solution to all problems. Go to the gym. Go <laughs> 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 to <Kind of> gym. <laughs> That's that's true. <laughs> work out your work out your frustrations, and the world would be a lot awesome. a lot better place than where people would do that. Take out their frustrations, and you can just be mellow the rest of the time. <laughs> so, uh, what was the highlight of the trip? I mean, what what I mean, I guess it's different for both of you, but what what did you enjoy seeing uh, the most? My highlight of the trip was. Uh, Using a woman's restroom with Nick at about one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah, you. That's another thing, you know. Like if you're away from home, you don't have home field advantage anymore, so to speak, in such matters. And you're making some, you're just making some seriously questionable uh, nutritional choices and you're on a road trip uh, like that, and then you just like, you know, add some like questionable you know, puff pastry, meat pies, and sausage rolls and such, and then just kind of, like, jiggle your belly aggressively for eight hours driving on dirt roads. You sometimes might have a bit of gastrointestinal uh, <laughs> issues to deal with, such <laughs> as the cakes in the late night. Uh, and uh, it's like, you know what, we're using this bathroom. I don't care if the, I don't remember if the men's room is closed or whatever, but it's like, well, this isn't going to wait. So we're <laughs> in the women's room. And <laughs> so be wow. It. Okay. Well, it, yeah. well, when you got to go. So. <laughs> it seems less, a lot of things that get funnier the longer time goes by. It's like at the time, it was, you know, less funny. But it cracks me up now. 
<laughs> like a lot of things. Yeah. Last time we, were, we blew that tire out on the side of the road like 300 miles from any civilization, and we're just totally trying to change the tires. Wasn't it funny at the oh. time? It's hysterical now, though. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, Nick. That uh, that second tire that we blew out, I don't think I'll ever find that funny. Oh, God. Uh, that was that a was very uncomfortable funny. walk for me and Nick through the, the jungle. We were literally, it was like the last, second to last night, the last night, full night we were going to have there. And uh, so we found a couple black and white jungles around Gelatin. We were trying to find a you know black and gold, a more traditional animal. So we were uh, down by Palmerston. And there's a, kind of this uh, scenic bypass road that just drives you through the rainforest. Uh, but the road is so little used that it is completely overgrown. And in spots, you can't even see pavement. There's no way one car... You couldn't pass anybody on it because it's only as wide as one car, but even then, there's just leaves and tree branches smacking the side of the vehicle. It's that overgrown with vegetation, oh, and, which is awesome. Like, this is the best place ever to look for a snake, and it's supposed to be kind of the locals will say it's a good place to look for jungles. Um, uh-huh. But we were pushing our luck big time because this vehicle, we didn't check the spare tire when we rented it, and the tires that were on it were fine. But we didn't check. Like, this is not equipped. This is not a serious four-wheel drive for where we were going. We blew right. out a tire uh, because the road is a million degrees, and you drive over a pointy rock, tire blows out, and you're, and that's that. So we go bust out the spare, get it all jacked up. The spare is absolutely like the most – it just it should not have even been rented to us. The spare – the only thing I could say about the spare was that it had air in it. It would hold air. Like, that was it. <laughs> like, it was the most – it was literally like just the baldest, had no tread on it whatsoever, and like, oh, this is sketchy. So then we decided, you know what? Yeah, we now have no spare, and we got, you know, several hundred miles to get to the tip. Let's just keep going anyway, right? Right. Why not? And so we did, and we made it all the way up. We made it all the way back on that crappy spare. And we were literally the last night. We are down this access road looking for jungle carpets, and we got about maybe two miles down this road and everything and blew out the spare. The blew out the spare. Oh. And that's weird. There. But you can't even turn around on this road, and no one would see. You would die of old age waiting for help. No one could even find you. You know, it's like it's that kind of a road. So uh-huh. we had to eventually get it turned around and drive it like two miles on a flat on the rim, basically. <laughs> uh, but to keep the weight off of it as much, like Chris and I, we had like there's five of us. So Mitch was driving, and two guys were walking behind, and I got the duty of walking up front with Chris, who at this point was not amused. <laughs> it was like it wasn't funny at then because there was really when you're basically going on a trip like that for like two weeks you're basically like living in a car with like five guys and you're just never more than like two inches away from each other eventually everybody has a moment where they snap and almost kill someone it happens, right. it, it happens to everybody and, oh, and, oh, and I even told them at the beginning at some point we're all going to almost kill each other because, you know, it's just, you're just so close. There's no way to get away. Well, for Chris, it was the night we blew up the last tire. He was Mr. Calm, Cool, Collected, Easy Going the whole time. And, boy, that tire blew up. And it was because he had raised some objections to the, this is really sketchy on this tire. I'm <laughs> really pushing it on. <laughs> well, I was yeah, trying to be voice like, a reason. Because yeah, we were, yeah. we were going to be going to the Great Barrier Reef. Mm-hmm. And... We only had a couple hours to sleep. I was like, ah, maybe we should use this time to sleep instead of going out herping. And I'm pretty sure we drove 
straight there to the reef on like no sleep. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. We, uh, Mitch, we had to. So we're walking out of this road for like two miles, and it's raining, mind you, in the rain, oh, in better. shorts and flip flops, in the rain, and the entire time Chris didn't say a word. Like it was like this crazy <laughs> silence, like, and he didn't dare say anything. He's like, like, don't even freaking look at it. Or he's gonna just like stab <laughs> some, like stabbing guys. It's like he just tells, like, you know, like, this, like the fuse is lit. Just any little thing, it was just gonna absolutely go off. The powder keg was gonna go off. So just, <laughs> just kind of awesome. in silence and look at your feet for like miles. We're walking to get back out to the main road to wait rescue uh, because you could. Then we could get a cell phone signal, kind of, sort of, and then Mitch was able to get a hold of uh, our Australian friend that went with us. He was able to get a hold of basically the Australian equivalent of AAA. So about an hour and a half after that, they showed up, and the rim was, even the rim was completely fucked. Uh, so he took the wheel and then did find a tire, and it was like, so it was hours. Had to hammer the flat spots out of the rim for it being so demolished, and oh, yeah. And, uh, we got us back on the road. We literally didn't sleep at all that entire night. That last night, there was not only no herping because it was all trying to get this thing situated and drove straight from, once we got the wheel on at like 4 o'clock in the morning, drove straight to back to Cairns to get on the boat to go dot scuba diving. And with literally no sleep. There was just, we, and we just Jeez. barely made it. But we made it. Wow. See, that's, and that's why it's funny now, see. If we hadn't made it, oh, yeah. we'd be, you know, bitter about it. But, but, but yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, yeah. What was the Great Barrier Reef like? I mean, you did either of you guys ever? I well, Chris, you didn't, but Nick, have you ever been there before scuba diving? Uh, this is my fourth trip to Australia. On my very first trip, I went scuba diving on the Great Barrier. It's a different part of the reef, a little further north. Oh, okay. Around Cape, around Cape Tribulation, but uh, no, it was amazing. Uh, yeah, and was swam with uh did some like basically ocean herping because their sea turtles are all over the place there. And oh, every wow. time I bad luck every every time I'm in the ocean in Australia, I always miss the damn sea turtles. Uh, everybody else sees them but me. And this time, I mean, <laughs> this huge sea turtle. I mean, I must I was swimming like an inch away from it, just gliding along next to my buddy the sea turtle, who was enormous, and he didn't seem the least bit concerned with me at all because he was bigger than me. I mean, it's a giant sea turtle, but it was just this weird, just kind of like, you know, 20 feet down, just kind of gliding along, flying underwater next to this giant turtle. It was amazing. That's uh, awesome. Highly recommend, highly recommend that. As long as you don't freak out scuba diving. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's an experience everybody should have, I think. Heck, yeah. That's cool. What about you, Chris? Yeah. How, did you, how did you like it, scuba diving? Well, I didn't go scuba diving. I just did the snorkeling. Oh, um, okay. But, uh, no, it was pretty neat. Um, I mean, like Nick said, they got the sea turtles there, and then there was, a, there was different types of sharks. Uh, we didn't, I didn't see any sharks. Uh, I just saw uh, probably parrotfish and then a whole bunch of other smaller fish. Um, but, I mean, you don't even have to go down deep. The, the reef is right there. It's probably only about 30 feet deep. So, I mean, you don't even have oh, to dive okay. down, and you can see the entire reef right under you. Wow. No great, no great whites floating around anywhere. <laughs> Damn. No, just jellyfish <laughs> everywhere. Oh, oh shit! That's, that's concerning. You got to worry about that more than the sharks, yeah. right? Yeah. 
you know, there were there were days when we were out that it was really hot. I mean, I'm, I'm uh, Sulatans weren't in that area where it was really hot, but still, I mean, it goes to show you that it's it's not an ambient temperature of 80 degrees all the time, and you know, sometimes it's real dry, other times it's wet. Um, you know, this you saw green tree pythons that were just full of parasites. The uh, well, the green tree that we found in the Iron Range. Um, you could see all the the bumps on its body from the parasites that it had. Really? You know, it, yeah. Yeah, they get these little uh, skin worms that are lodged between their muscle wall and their and their skin. So you get a little like cyst-like bump on it. It's usually a little worm lives underneath their skin, and the, this poor guy was just riddled with them. Oh wow! Jeez. But still, still sitting there in ambush. I was. Ready to go, sitting there in ambush pose, six inches off the ground like they always are. People always picture, like, green trees, like, way up in a tree. It's like when you find them, they're literally damn near on the ground. They're in a skinny tree on the trunk of the tree, facing the ground in ambush position, but the snake's head was not more than, like, eight inches off the ground. They're right down on the ground level uh, and just sitting there waiting. And you I think we're looking at a picture yeah. of them. And it right still what? wouldn't leave that ambush position. Like, it wasn't distracted by you being there. And other no. than that one scrub, that the second scrub we came across, everything was pretty mellow. Um, the carpet, uh, the black-headed python. Oh. You know, that, that first cool. scrub that we found was, was really calm. Yeah, wow. even the blackhead, blackhead wasn't too bad. Uh, it really was just that, I mean, people think of scrub pythons as all being really nasty-tempered, but uh, King Horni, Australia might have more than one species of scrub python. You've basically got their obligate rainforest animals. They only find scrubbies <clears throat> in rainforest, and maybe, you know, mm-hmm. going over into very closely adjacent areas, but they're a rainforest species. Well, Australia has three rainforest blocks that are not connected in any way and are way far apart from each other. You've got the biggest section where your jungle carpets are and all the scrubbies that you usually see down around Cairns, you've got those. And that's the scrubby, when people think of King Horn Eye, that's what they're thinking of. Uh, and they're nasty-tempered animals, by and large. And we found one in the wild, and it was a jerk. Um, but uh, then when you get to Iron Range, you've got another rainforest block around Iron Range, and there's scrubbies there. But they can't interbreed. They haven't been able to interbreed in a very, very long time with the ones further south. And then when you get all the way to the very tip, uh, you've got another population of scrub pythons, and they all look different. Each population looks different at the in the uh, of these scrub at the which is a block of rainforest at the very, very tip. And uh, we did look one night in the Lockerbie scrub, but we just found no snakes. We really got skunked in the Lockerbie scrub. We only spent one night up there. Uh, but the Iron Range ones, apparently, from what I've gathered, are pretty docile. Uh, and surely the one, the one we found was completely placid and had no no desire to bite anybody. They looked different. They were kind of had a weird, like, ghostly, kind of hypomelanistic sheen to them. It was like a darker snake overall, but it was like a weird, bluish, grayish, kind of hypo-y looking, very different looking than the ones further south, and uh, quite an attitude uh, adjustment also. So that was... That was pretty cool. Oh wow! Okay, that's very cool. 
It's I think this is... so for every one python you find, you find ten venomous snakes. That's usually how it goes. <laughs> um, and Australia, in Australia, you only have basically venomous snakes and pythons because even Australia's non-venomous snakes are still a little bit venomous. Yeah, it's like you've got venomous and more venomous. But like the harmless snakes <laughs> in Australia are like, you know, brown tree snakes and stuff like that. They're still venomous, not you know dangerously so, but. We just find three brown tree snakes, which are kind of a neat snake. Uh, wow. Found one of those. In, in so who slept in? So, so what was the sleeping conditions like? I mean, did you sleep in? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> just wherever you oh, fell? Oh, my God. I mean. Let's just say we were not staying at the Hilton. Um, we were all, uh, my friend Mark Goyer went, uh, and he had the wherewithal and the foresight to bring his own camping gear. His own little sweet one-man tent popped up all this trick camping gear. He was all kitted out like a champion. Mitch, same thing, had this sweet little one-man tent, all his own gear, totally professional setup. The rest of us, not so much. Uh, <laughs> the Subaru we rented, you can rent these things in Australia, where there's a tent on the freaking roof. There's like a big box that kind of, un- and this tent unfolds on this platform that's on the roof. So you have like a three-man tent that's on the, literally on the roof and a ladder to get up into it. Uh, so me and Stephen Katz uh, slept in the tent, in the roof tent every night, and Chris just slept in the car. I just slept uh, in the front seat of the car. Damn, the first best. night, the first night I, I was going to go up in that tent, and I was just like, oh, the hell with this. If I have to get down to go to the bathroom or whatever, I'm not coming back down these uh, the ladder. And I also didn't, now, I didn't trust it, having just, three large guys up in that uh in that tent. So I just yeah, slept in the front seat and uh, I was fine, put the seat back and uh, I slept yeah. great. So you can imagine basically uh, what we smelled like by the end of this trip. Uh, we Holy shit. We car <laughs> this entire no. time and when you're in the back seat, like you are literally like, I mean, assholes and elbows, you're in constant rubbing the rail, you're just jammed in there uh, this whole time and you know, sleeping in a car or on the roof of a car. I mean, just, yeah. <laughs> wow. It was uh, not, not comfortable. My last trip to Western Australia, I was the one who slept in the car. Uh, you know, but, but it's just, you're, you're not going there to be comfortable, I guess is what I'm saying. It's, uh, there's nowhere to stay in a lot of these remote areas. It's not like there's hotels everywhere. You pretty much drive until you find a good place to stop, and then you just pull over and pitch tent on the side of the road or whatever. Uh, there isn't anywhere to stay in, in most cases, anyway. So, uh, so you're not you're not comfortable uh, at all. Like you know, uh, so you don't. I mean, I don't think I got any REM sleep at all the entire trip. <laughs> <laughs> I can sleep when I get. I'm, I pay a lot of money to go look for snakes. I can sleep when I get home. Right. Get the flight home. Uh, you sleep the entire way home. So. You know, I never do. I mean, I'm always. I usually I do writing and whatnot. I had a little bit of a writing project I was working on, so that consumed most of the flight over and the way back. Uh, that's, oh, that's a long cool. time. If you got things you're, you, know, you need to get done and you're stuck in a tube for 14 hours with a computer, it's like, oh, you can get a lot accomplished. With right. Other, you know, no, dis- no distractions, you know. So I did that mostly, but uh, yeah, everybody else needs so to you know, sleep. I agreed to get into a plane for 28 hours because I thought you would be there also. 
<laughs> I do not like to fly. I can't see what I did for you, for man. Than, see what I did for you. <laughs> I can't sit still for more than five minutes. I'm not comfortable in the plane. <laughs> and that's Shit, first, just driving that the, first drive of the trip. What? I was going to say, driving to Owen's house, you were growing crazy. <laughs> well, oh, I know. My house. I, just, I can't so. sit still. Oh, that's crazy. So where did you fly out of, Chris? I flew out of New York. um, So I had to fly from New York to Los Angeles, which was probably about almost a six-hour flight. And uh, then, you know, from Los Angeles, we went to Cairns, and uh, we went to Brisbane, and then Brisbane to Cairns. So in total, our first flights over there, for me, was 28 hours. Um, wow. And then coming home with all the layovers, um, it was, I want to say, 40 hours or 41 hours to get home. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. I think mine was actually even worse because I, I had a six, uh, I had a, well, it turned into be a nine-hour drive after I landed because I drive oh. over to Seattle. And for me, Seattle's 300 miles, so I, it takes about five, if the roads are dry and good weather conditions. About five and a half hours, five, five and a half hours for me to drive to Seattle. I meet up with Mark, and then we go to the airport and fly out of Seattle, and then two and a half hours in L.A. and met up with everybody. On the way back, uh, it had snowed a tremendous amount in the Cascade Mountains, so it took me almost nine hours to get home. And it was like oh. sketchy, white-knuckle ride the whole time. It, yeah, it was crazy. Uh, so, yeah, that sucked because you're already like, so tired because you've been traveling for like 30 something hours without sleep and then to finish off with a nine hour late night drive on ice for nine hours that sounds so incredible yeah it was great that's all fun and games so you gotta go home uh, yeah yeah. Yeah, when you're going there when you're going you're all excited so you really don't care about the the travel but then coming home you just Every airport you get to, it's more security. It's more, you know, you got to get your luggage and then recheck your luggage. And then, you know, at that point, you just want to go home. You don't care. Because we, when we got to L.A., there was actually an announcement that 35 bags never made it on the plane from Australia. I didn't care anymore. I just wanted to go home. They could, they could accept myself. You know, I just didn't care. And then my final flight from California to New York, I, I didn't, again, I didn't care anymore. Um, I just wanted to go to sleep. I slept that whole flight. I don't even remember it. Right. Jesus. Yeah, Holy shit. It's that moment when, when the fun is over and you're on your way to the airport and you're like, holy crap, I am so far away from my house. Like, I am literally on the other side of the earth. I couldn't be any further away. I now have to travel literally halfway around the world. I've had my fun, and I, now all there is to look forward to is, like, traveling halfway around the world over, like, a two-day period so I can come home to a messy house and dirty snakes and, it's like, oh, right. shit, right. <laughs> Party time's over, you know. Uh, I still haven't unpacked my bag. My bag is still sitting here at the closet. <laughs> I just don't care. Wait! <laughs> you, know, you know, it's funny thing you say that. I'm sitting in my bedroom and... And my backpack is still, I'm looking at my backpack, and I have, I took some of the stuff out, the clothes, but there's still crap in my bag, too. It's still sitting there. Uh, wow. But, yeah. Getting yeah, ready uh, for the next trip. Everybody's, oh, I'm, oh, I'm totally ready for the next trip. 
<laughs> Mitchell River Falls, baby. Mitchell River Falls. That's what I'm doing. Mitchell River Falls. Where's no. that at? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Western Australia. It's the, where you find rough scale pythons. Ooh. Uh-oh, Owen. You have my, you have my attention. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally about as... It's about as hard a place to get to as you can possibly imagine. So, challenge accepted. So, uh, that'll be flying to Darwin and then drive across a thousand miles west across the top of the Kimberley. And then you got to, there's a road. You can get there overland, but you have to take what's called the Gibb River Road, which is, to call it a road uses the term road very loosely. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's a. Uh, not not a road that is not not maintained at all, really, and not for the faint of heart. And you need a very serious vehicle to do it. But I think that's what the next one will be. And it's something about like going because it's hard to get to a certain place. That almost like makes it more enticing. Like because it's difficult. Like right. anybody can fly yeah. stairs and go scuba dive, and there's tons of tourists doing that. But to get to, you know. All the way to Pomaga at the tip of the peninsula. That's what takes some doing, you know. <laughs> yeah. Or to get to some of these really far flung places, so it adds to the uh, the adventure level. That's some real Indiana Jones shit. <laughs> yeah. That's in- Dude, my I, I I got a lifetime full of that kind of stuff, and I I feel sorry for people live their whole lives and never have any adventures. They never go anywhere. They never do anything. They never have that kind of, any of these awesome experiences because there's just a ton of them. Here. There's no shortage of place to go and awesome things to see and do. And I mean, that's living life, man. I can't otherwise, you know, I don't know. Hell like yeah. I, my, my attitude is kind of like, if you want it, grab it by the balls and take it because no one's going to give it to you. If you think it's cool to do it, make that stuff happen for yourself because otherwise it won't. You know, everybody can certainly, people can make excuses like you guys. But <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. Uh, you know, I knew it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, coming. Three. I mean, it's easy yeah. to make excuses, but it, I mean, you end up, you get hit by a bus one day, you realize it's all over, and you never did the thing you wanted to do. And it's you know, life's too short to screw around, man. You got to just, you got to do stuff, and and that and that that's pretty much it. I guess it's like you got to wait. I mean, tomorrow never comes for a lot of a lot of instances and stuff. People put things off indefinitely. Oh, I want to go there someday, someday, someday. It's like, no, today, make that thing happen. If it's important, make it happen or shut up. <laughs> Basically, it's like, just do it. It's not, if you decide to do something, however big or grand or expensive or whatever, if you, if you make the decision to do something, then at that point it just becomes a logistical problem. What's it going to take to make that happen? What do I need to do? To, and then it's like, once you commit to something, then you usually figure it out. It's like you'll you'll figure it out, and it's just one of those things. So I don't know. I, I think yeah. I'm gonna try to go every year now. <laughs> yeah, going somewhere every one year. Of the, one of the What's good that? things about this trip is every trip that I've ever been on, we've kind of had an itinerary. So uh-huh. every day that I was there, I knew what I was going to be doing. This trip was completely different. Once we got there, like every day. Nothing was planned. We kind of just figured it out as we went. So you never knew where you were going to be. You never knew where you were going to stay. You know, we would just find a spot on the side of the road, and that was our hotel for the night. Right. You know, we kind of just yeah. – <laughs> we would wing it the whole time. You know, and I yeah, think that the was the funniest we, part of the trip. We basically knew that we were going to get there and start going north. 
We weren't yeah. sure we'd make it to Iron Range because it was so light in the air. Well, let's get as far north as we can, whatever that means. And then we knew kind of sort of that we wanted to hit the Great Barrier Reef on the last day or so. But beyond that, everything is just kind of see where, we, where the road takes us and where we can go and how far we can get and worked out pretty well. Um, did found a few python species I didn't even expect to find. I mean, we, we went, I mean, you go to Iron Range because you want to find a green tree python because that's where they are. I mean, right. that was obviously what you're looking for there. The scrubby was a bonus. Really wanted to find one of those. Ended up finding two. Uh, but also found, a, you guys know what a pygmy simpsons is, a pygmy banded, a little it's undescribed. It's a fifth species of, it's a probable fifth species of anteresia that's not formally been described as yet. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. And they're about on par with a pygmy python in size, but perhaps more slender. They're just tiny. We found one. I couldn't believe we found one. We we're looking for freaking spotted pythons, of all things. Because spotted pythons are sympatric with the little pygmy things. They live in the same place, but don't seem to intermingle. But they, you find them in the same habitat. Uh, so we were around Mount Carbine, which we knew was a known locality for the pygmies, but uh, we're not really expecting to be lucky enough to find one. We went three nights there. We spent three nights there trying to find a freaking spotted python. Never found a spotted python. The thing you thought was the easier, the easiest thing to find, we never found. We found a black-headed python, which is not even really common around that area. We found a black-headed python, and that's one of the little pygmy uh, stimmy things, which I was just blown away. I was so stoked to see one of those. Uh, wow. You know, full-grown <clears throat> adult, about the diameter of my pinky finger and maybe 15 inches long, you know. They're just little tiny guys, but, uh, yeah, that was... It's amazing. Uh, so, and that black headed python that we found, it was it was missing part of its tail. It just had a stump really? on the end of it. It was yeah, missing it was, all of its tail. It, it, it literally sick. Yeah, it was probably about a four foot black head, and it had about a half inch of tail. Wow. It, something is bitten off. Or, you could see it pretty. Uh, you could see it pretty clearly. Yeah, it's just oh, no the, tail there. But it was obviously an old injury that was well healed from years earlier, and they were just curling around with no tail, just fine. Uh, That's nuts. I've only ever found one black. I found four blackheads now on all these trips, and only one looked like it was in good shape. The other three were all beat to crap. Found one in Western Australia, like I got it literally had obviously been run over by a car, and crack crushed all its ribs in the middle. But it was like an old injury, and years later it was still cruising around after getting run over and not dying. You know. Jeez. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, they're they're tough. The first one I found was around Darwin in Northern Territory, and it, it something had, like, ripped it, eaten the side of its neck. Like, right behind its head, this giant chunk of meat was just missing. It was this huge, gnarly scab. You tell something had just, like, bit a chunk of meat out of its neck, and it was just pretty long. You know, like, sure, it would probably be fine. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, apparently what blackheads eat bites back. Uh, they're always uh, <laughs> they're taking a pretty good beating. But, yeah, now I did find a couple of jungle carpets around Gelatin. Oh, interesting little tidbit there. Uh, I was happy to see that they look exactly like you expect them to look. Like, actually, like, oh, they look just like you picture a Gelatin jungle looking. Look exactly like that. <laughs> uh, really? Uh, and we were at the edge of Gelatin Township, and uh, we're at the same place. So it's found both the same road on two different nights. And uh, 
there's like on one side of the road, it's like a dirt road, and on one side of the road there's this block of virgin rainforest just goes straight up from the edge of the road. And on the other side of the road, it's all being clear-cut, and it's a farmer's field. Uh, so you've got oh. the rainforest on one side, and both of those damn snakes were in the middle of the road, headed out of the rainforest into the farmer field. Farmer's field. <laughs> so apparently, yeah. apparently that's the easiest place to find them. You find them like they, you know, hang out and shelter in the rainforest during the day, and then at night go into the farmer's field to hunt because agriculture draws prey species. So they were they were headed into the field uh, and stuff from the rainforest. So they've uh, they seem cool. to be. I mean, carpets are pretty adaptable to secondary habitat and human encroachment anyway. But even jungle carpets, because you see it, you, you know it's going to be like that. But it's kind of depressing because that whole area would be all rainforest, and it's so mm-hmm. much of it is just chopped up for sugarcane production or whatever other kind of agriculture. Tons of the. You know, a lot of the African tablelands is not rainforest anymore. It is, you know, a lot of agricultural land and stuff. And there's little, like, just chopped up chunks of isolated pockets of rainforest that aren't even necessarily contiguous, interspersed with agricultural areas and stuff. But there are snakes still living in the areas that are rainforest, but they're, and they're utilizing the uh, modified habitat in the agricultural areas to hunt and, you know, and, and at least pass through so. I don't know. It seems to work. But it must not be that hard to find if we found two of them. <laughs> wow. And one night we would drive into the drive into the rainforest. We're driving up and down the road, and we probably mm-hmm. pass. It's like cows just wander out of their fields. Oh, cows! Oh, and just and just into the rainforest, and we must have passed these same two cows like fifty times <laughs> up and down the road. <laughs> But it's just so strange to see them standing there. They must wander off the, the farms and uh, into the forest. That's cool. Um, uh, yeah. The... Go ahead. Yeah, there was, Any there lizard species? Much in... Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> monitors are, I mean, there's a ton. Obviously, Australia is like the monitor capital of the universe. Uh, right. But it turns out monitors are really fast and hard to catch. Um, <laughs> so usually when you see one, it just results in you acting looking like an idiot chasing after some lizards you had no hope in hell of catching. <laughs> but, uh, there are lots of instances on the trip of chasing, unsuccessfully chasing monitors. And, uh, Mitch is like, uh, I wish he could have been on. I, I got a hold of him, but he's moving today. Uh, cause he, so he couldn't, uh, couldn't come on the show tonight. But uh, mm-hmm. Mitch cracks me up because he's almost like, He's like super Australian. Like when you like, it's almost like to the point of being comical in the Australian. And he's got the crazy, the, the hat, and he's barefoot. Like literally, <laughs> the man did not wear shoes. He owns shoes, right. but he never really actually wore them. He and seemed he had, to like, lose any shoes he had. He lost wherever we went. I think he lost two pairs of shoes and a pair of sunglasses. Oh my god! What will happen is like. He he did most of the driving and everything because he'd been there and knew where he was going. So I'm like, all right, you can drive. Uh, and uh, so we're headed up, and like all of a sudden, just slam on. This happened more than once. Slam on the brakes, full stop, run out, just just light out out of there, and run at a million miles an hour through the bush. And there is just sticks and rocks and all kinds of things. Your feet just hurt watching this. And he's barefoot, like some kind of a hobbit, just flying, <laughs> chasing after this monitor lizard. 
and just runs. So I was like, how does his feet? His feet had like an inch thick callus. It literally was like a hobbit foot. Uh, oh my for god! Just never wearing shoes, and literally climbing trees with no shoes, chasing after monitors. He ran full on into a barbed wire fence, chasing a uh, monitor. Because you, you apparently get so caught up in what you're doing, because you got to run them down, or you're never gonna. You can't take your eye off of them. Didn't see the fence and just slammed into a barbed wire fence, which only slowed him down for about one second. But he lost his sunglasses, a shoe, and the monitor got away. But uh, just like man, that's a level of dedication there. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I wanted. We found yeah. uh, there's probably three three different stores monitors that we found. All in the yeah, same area. Four. Yeah, this little tiny the store I store I little like the size mm-hmm. of an old like an adult and like a few little like uh, juveniles but man they're tiny and they're literally just under rocks and these rock piles and stuff and uh, pretty abundant uh, that was really the, we got the best pictures of those ones probably of any of them all the other ones were just so wary uh, I mean you get you got the pictures of them up in the you know you get close enough to get halfway decent picture of them up in a tree but. You're not catching. They're they're going to get up that tree a lot faster than you are. So, uh, right. Content to content to, but it's you know to leave and be. But a lot of times you, I mean, at least three or four times a day during the day. So what you do is like on these trips you'll like cover a bunch of ground during the daylight hours, and then at night once it's like about 15 oh, wow. minutes after it gets dark you start you get into whatever all day you travel to get to the area you're going to road cruise and then. You cruise for like three hours, four hours, and then you sleep for two hours and get up and repeat. But every day, three or four times, you see a monitor just go flying like a thousand miles an hour across the road, where like none of their feet are all their feet are off the ground at the same time. They're going so fast, and they're just, they're just you see them scurrying around all the time. Uh, so built huge frilly. Uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, that is cool. No. Uh, you get depressed because you find a lot of roadkill where like oh the car in front of us just ran over this spilled dragon there's eggs all over the road that happened oh it was like oh wow like a huge female frilly that was gravid smashed in the middle of the road it was still wet like it literally just happened minutes before we got there because in that kind of intense heat it would basically mummify in just a few hours to desiccate to nothing on oh. the roads like a hundred over hundred degrees. There's a pretty big monitor, just, monitor also that was uh, roadkill and a, a big scrub too, probably like a nine foot scrub python. That was roadkill. Oh, that's right. Also. Yeah. Yeah, that was right out by where we uh, blew, blew the second tire. Uh, huge one. Uh, so it was a little disappointing we didn't see a lot of bigger scrubby. The the two we found, uh, one was in Daintree which is a World Heritage Site uh, for the rainforest there, uh, not far from Cape Trib. That was pretty awesome. But that one was, he was, you know, a jerk. Uh, but both of the ones we found, the one in Daintree and the one in Iron Ranger, both about, you know, five foot, just little guys, you know. Uh, so still want, want to see, like, a big one. And when we found it, it had just been run over, you know. When you find these things, if you found something that had been mummified and been run over, like, days earlier, that'd be one thing. But when you find it when it's still, like, half twitching, you know what I mean? It's like, ugh, you know. Like, people run yeah. this stuff over, we flew, half, flew halfway around the world, and someone probably swerved to run that over on purpose. Um, oh. The scruffy was probably hit by a road train because it was really mangled. Um, but, <laughs> I mean, that's just kind of 
you get used to seeing that. Unfortunately, it sucks. Uh, uh, but uh, comes with the territory, I guess. Yeah. But still, yeah, absolutely amazing trip. You guys, uh, you know what is really blue? You know it's everywhere on the roads there. <laughs> the first night we were driving and it's raining, and uh-huh. there were cane toads everywhere. They would just come hopping out of nowhere, hitting your car. I mean, even if you wanted to avoid them, you couldn't. Because there's just so many of them. I would say we probably saw like four or five hundred cane toads on the trip. Holy shit. You'll see see 50 a night, sometimes more. That's not an exaggeration. They're literally everywhere. They're invasive. Uh, they're more than they've like they've taken over. Like they, they, the invasion is, is, was successful. They're they are <laughs> the most common herp. The most common herp you will find is the cane toad by ten to one margin. The most common snake you find in Australia is a Burton's legless lizard. Uh, that's the, Australia's most common snake is the Burton's legless lizard, and you find tons of those. I can't even you, you stop counting them after a while. But you always slam on the brakes because. It looks like a snake. Right. Uh, but they're actually a legless gecko that eats other geckos mostly. Uh, you find them out in the they're out hunting out in the road, looking for other things in the road. And stuff. So you find a ton of those. And... Now, if you don't go, there's really no nights where we didn't find any herbs or days. You just there's always something. Uh, That's it's awesome. pretty much non pretty much nonstop. There are tons of frogs. Uh, these green tree frogs are pretty amazing up in Iron Range. Saw them in a few other places too, but saw a ton of them up in Iron Range. Uh, you know, like, you know, white lip tree frogs and stuff. There, or white tree frogs rather. There's a ton of those, but these other huge green ones were just they're massive, like as big as your fist. It's really a pretty impressive frog, and, and just all over the place. Wow! Stand out like a sore thumb. You wouldn't think that a green reptile would stand out in a rainforest, but the light bounces off them real different than it does off a leaf, and they just you just see them all over. Uh, huh. Uh, we did see uh, one enormous, approximately 14-foot saltwater crocodile that we were kind of sort of swimming oh. with. Huh. Wait, wait, what do you mean? Uh, yeah, what's the story with that? that? That's not, you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> Well, yeah, 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 man up. <laughs> just a just a giant salty. Uh, when you're in Iron Range uh, National Park, there's uh, an amazing beach called Chili Beach. It's the most picturesque beach you could imagine. Beautiful white sand that curves off in the distance. You know, warm blue water. There's like a little island out there. It's just like the most picturesque. When you picture like a tropical paradise, this is what the picture you have in your mind is of chili beach, basically. It's, it's that perfect of a place. But you really aren't supposed to go swimming in the ocean because there's all kinds of, there's two types of jellyfish that can kill you and crocodiles. You, know, you don't care about sharks. The jellyfish and the crocs are what you're worried about. But, yeah. you know, we'd been pretty stinky up to that point, you know, when you're like, okay, yeah, it's like day four, we're living in a car and nobody's had a shower, or day five, like, let's go get in the ocean. And we're, like, looking and, like, oh, there's a log out by that island. <laughs> it's like, that's no log. It's like, oh, my oh, God, that's a giant-ass croc. And Chris brought, like, you know, way better camera equipment than the rest of us. Uh, he's got, like, a giant, crazy telephoto lens. Like, he looks like a paparazzi photographer with this thing on. It's that huge. And 
that gets it out and zooms in, and son of a bitch, it's a huge, huge one. I mean, you can see him from the shore, and there's this island, and he's kind of hanging out, but you can practically walk to this island at low tide. It's not very far away, and the water's real shallow and real warm. Right. So we just decided we're going to go swimming anyway, and somebody just kind of kept watch for the crocodile. I was on croc watch, and that was how we did it. And we, we didn't get in. The, we just made the the less than scientific calculations. Like, well, based on where we are and how deep the water is, I'm pretty sure we can get to the shore before he can get to us. As long as we can. That was you know, maybe we're kidding ourselves, but uh, I mean, that was one of the best times we had, hanging out in the ocean, just kind of like kicking back and. Relax a little bit, other than the ever-present fear of being torn apart by a crocodile. Was <laughs> that, see, I was thinking more about massive. the jellyfish because you can't see them. Right? Did you get stung, no, Chris? Or I didn't get stung. Did you get stung by one? No. Stephen got stung. Mitch got stung, and Mark got stung. Oh shit! Yeah, we didn't. <laughs> well, they're not. There's like the there's the the box jellyfish which can kill you. There's another one called the Uricondi jellyfish that will probably will kill you. Uh, and they're in season uh, as a seasonal thing, and it was that time of year. And then there's other like harmless ones. They call them blue bottles because they're kind of a little tiny blue jellyfish. And they all got stung by the blue bottle ones and stuff. But uh, the funniest thing was because you know, Mitch had told us, you know, the Uricondi jellyfish, and we kind of the warm where we just Fucking, it's a million degrees. We're getting the water anyway. Risk death a couple different ways, but screw it. And uh, so everybody had jellyfish on the brain. Well, I don't know what an Irukandi jellyfish does. And the funny thing is, neither does Stephen Katz. <laughs> so Stephen was up on the shore and gets stung by a harmless blue bottle jellyfish. And we're all out in the ocean. The ocean. We're like 100 yards away. And it's just fucking with him. And it's like, and Mitch is like, is it, he's like describing it like, is it blue? Like, he's like, like he's convincing him that it's the, the lethal kind of jellyfish. And he starts freaking out. Was, oh, God. Oh, yeah. We're trying to but get, he didn't um, even make it. Get he even made it probably like ankle deep into the water and he got stung. And at that, you know, he was <laughs> screaming and he's not even ankle deep. And I was just like, oh, fuck this. Like, it didn't even take long and someone already got stung. Uh, Mark was up there, so we were trying to convince him that the only way to counteract it was to have somebody urinate on it. Oh, <laughs> God. But he, I think he suspected we were bullshitting him at that point. Uh, so, uh, yeah. And then later on, since I didn't get sung and made it mention that I hadn't got sung, they're literally trying to throw jellyfish at me. We literally got in a jellyfish oh, yeah. fight. These guys are picking up jellyfish <laughs> and flinging them at me, trying to get them to sting me. Like, because that's what grown men do, apparently. <laughs> Jelly, live jellyfish bites. Throw dangerous animals, yeah. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a, they're, they're like a beast thing. They're not like bad, bad. It's just, but it's just, yeah. All the wild, so rock-infested waters. So, yeah. It's, well, know. I don't know if it's infested, but there was one big-ass croc there for sure. Even we, drove, on, we, we drove down the beach to where his, his home is. And it's really? just this filth and garbage and mud. I mean, it's amazing that something could survive in there. The smell alone was disgusting. It literally oh, was vomit-inducing. It stuck. It was just kind of stagnant, rancid, stagnant water and filth and, like, this tide kind of, uh, like, it was just, oh, my God. It was the most, you couldn't even see. And then there was, like, 
I've never seen that many mosquitoes in my entire life. Like, they're just like a swarm, a cloud of them everywhere you go. It's like the most horrible smelling thing you could possibly imagine. And mosquitoes just absolutely tearing you up. Uh, they're looking well, for that croc. Uh, but uh, he was out in the ocean because he probably thought it stung too, I guess. But and later on, where a park ranger drove by it. Software chat, whatever, and everything is like, oh, we're right by the beach. He goes, oh, you see the big croc out there? He's been hanging out by the island lately. I'm like, oh, yeah, we're kind of out there. We weren't uh, out there being idiots. We knew he was there. I mean, we kept an eye I on know. him, but. Uh, yeah. Normally, you think, like, yeah, so what if it's hot? I'm not getting in the ocean with a crocodile. It's like, yeah, live in a. You know, live, live in, in the car. Forest or... receiving. Live in a Subaru Forester in a hundred degree heat with Stephen Cat for five days, and you'll do anything to get wet and clean up. <laughs> you'll get the ocean. You'll choose the ocean. All right, yeah. Wait, oh my I God! Heard there, I heard there was a story about Stephen doing his nails or some there's some a, shit like that. There's a bunch of there's a bunch of Stephen Cat stories. All right, oh. let's, now it's officially the not yeah, maybe it seems mean spirited, but. Uh, I've also noticed kind of gone on a bunch of these sorts of trips that like a dynamic will emerge where somebody becomes the whipping boy and the object of everyone's <laughs> kind of sarcasm and right. and ridicule and jokes for the sec- for the sake of entertainment for the group. So on the first like two minutes, I just declared that that person would be Stephen, and for the rest of the trip, we would all pick on him, uh, <laughs> and that would just settle the issue. And we followed through with that pretty effectively, I think. Uh, and he no. made it so easy. He's a millennial, so I think he just, like, thrives on the attention, even if it's negative ah. attention. Because he just, <laughs> nice. he seemed a re- to revel in it, in a way. And, you know, we knew we were in trouble when we all showed up, like, I had a backpack. Like, a, not even a big backpack, like a backpack like a high school student would have. Like, that's all I took. And yeah. okay. Stephen has, like, a bag, a backpack, and he has, like, this suitcase. It's like a full-size freaking suitcase. It was so full, like he had to jump on top. He couldn't even zip it. It's like bursting at the seams, and it's full oh of God. unnecessary bullshit. Like I couldn't believe Eric, the stuff this man he brought. brought. Like he knew we were gonna go. Go ahead. He brought yeah. more shoes than I brought underwear. Oh my God! Yeah, Wait, why? <laughs> but why? We have different shoes. I don't know. Ring. He's like Zach Baez number two. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, it's, it was. Oh, it gets worse. It gets worse. So go oh, on, Keep something. going. I should. I should have suspected something because at the very beginning of the trip, he's like, he literally asked me like, what do you thought the chances are that he might get laid while we're on the trip? And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Please, you see it. Please, get laid? Are you out of your mind? Like, I didn't even see a woman. Like. These are the people you're going to be seeing. <laughs> That's it. Like, yeah, like, uh, I mean, uh, like, like, literally, like, some, like, like, some woman's just going to, like, walk out from behind of a eucalyptus tree uh, in the middle of nowhere. And, oh, there's Stephen Gass. Like, like, I, I'm like, where do you think we're going, dude? We're going to be, we're in the middle of freaking nowhere. So that was, that should have been a red flag right there, but. Slim. He shows up, yeah, with like, like five pairs of shoes. He brought his own snorkeling gear and swim pants. Like, two things like that on the boat, man. Part of the deal. You need to bring right. your own slippers. Like, oh my God. Uh, uh, he had like bags of lotion, different lotions and face lotion and hand cream. He literally brought hand cream 
and face lotion. Oh, Jesus. Like, like, and me, you know, basically being a real man, I don't really have any experience with hand cream. <laughs> I really don't have a frame of reference for hand cream. Because <laughs> I'm a man, and I have, like, man hands that have calluses and shit on them, and so yeah, I'm doing stuff. I don't, yeah. I don't, I'm not so worried about my hands being soft and supple, you know, <laughs> but apparently Stephen is. He thought okay, so. at one point we actually we actually had a uh, uh, a campground. We found an actual campground that had nice. a freaking shower. And that was ice cold water, but you didn't care. We actually got a yeah. shower, but it was like three quarters of the way through the trip. And Stephen busts out this crazy like manicure kit, like he's doing his nails, <laughs> the nail file, and trimming them. And you know, I was like, "Are you out? Are you just fucking your freaking eyebrows too right now? Like, what, are you kidding me right now? Like, you brought like, I can't understand. Why did you think like that he would need that? And how did he not know we weren't gonna bust his balls about it the whole time? Like, how did he just not? Yeah, that's the thing. No, like, we didn't even bring I razors didn't... to shave. Like, we all look like a bunch of gris, stinky grizzly bears by the end of this. Like, and he's got doing his trimming his nails and making sure they don't, you know. Oh my God! See, I didn't want to end up on him too much, but when I realized that it could be me in that situation, <laughs> I, I figured it would be best to just beat up on him, you know, and join the pack rather than rather than let them turn on me. It's probably it's probably a good move because it's probably yeah you probably the guy that probably God, that's awesome. Like Stephen oh made, made it very made it easy and almost seemed to enjoy it in a weird way. Uh, just, <laughs> and then like the other weird thing, because we're picking on Stephen in front of everybody. Uh, Stephen apparently is like the cheapest guy in the entire world. I mean, I've kind of got yeah, other people accuse me of being a tight ass, but like this is like got to the point of like mentally ill kind of crazy, like cheap. Like I couldn't even believe like like. I'm not just, like, trying to, like, skip out on pants for stuff and conveniently go to the bathroom over at the checkout stand, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's, like, the normal level of cheapness. I'm talking, like, yeah. when we were leaving, the last day, he also has an obsession with buying baby wipes for everything. Just had to have baby wipes all the time, which I thought was weird. At the end of the trip, we have to clean the car up because we wanted to, I mean, we destroyed this car. It was, I mean, a level of filth that you've never seen a vehicle achieve. Uh, well, drive for 3,700 miles on dirt roads, so you can imagine. Uh, absolutely, it just smelled like stinky man sweat and red sand, basically. It just, and, and meat pies. It was just like, oh, it's gross. So we're cleaning it out That's and we're washing it and making it halfway presentable to turn it in so we don't get dinged. And right. there's, we've got all this food, because we bought food when we were at grocery stores and whatnot and little roadhouses and whatnot to... So we got in the middle of nowhere, you have something to eat. Well, it's the last day. Like, literally, we're on our way to go drop the rental car off and uh, and then go to the airport. We're leaving, and there's a little bit of food, like partially eaten food. And Stephen is trying to take it with him. He literally tried, it's so cheap, he tried to bring, like, there were two baby wipes left in a package of baby wipes that cost $1 oh, like to begin with. And he's trying to take the two fucking baby wipes into his bag and... Like a half of a bottle of barbecue sauce? Like, oh my are God. you going to take the barbecue? <laughs> like, hey, you know they're not going to let Why? you. Why? Like, 
And it wasn't even like some super awesome Aussie barbecue sauce you never could get at home. It was freaking famous Dave's barbecue sauce you can get at any grocery store for $2. <laughs> uh, and like, oh my God. you on a plane with an open bottle of barbecue sauce with a thick, tasty liquid that's open, and it's like a $2 thing of barbecue sauce. Like, we didn't even know yeah. we had any of this stuff until we got to the airport and Customs is emptying out his bag <laughs> because they found it. <laughs> oh, yeah. They literally, awesome. on two different occasions, he got in tr- not in trouble with the airlines, but had to, like, remove things from his bag because his bag was too heavy with too much shit. His suitcase, even though it was a checked bag, was too heavy. And he's, like, trying to oh, lighten his load. And he's, like, because he's just packed. He's a pack rat. He's just packing everything. It's just crazy. Like, you're supposed to travel light, man. It's, like, uh, this is just the, they're trying to bring the barbecue sauce back and the two baby wipes. I was, like, are you, what, what, like, what do you, I mean, maybe you need the baby wipes for, to, the, you know, to clean up the barbecue sauce mess or something. I don't know. But uh, it just, it, it wasn't like any, it wasn't, yeah, I could see if it was some crazy thing that you could only ever get in Australia. This is for American barbecue sauce. You get for a few bucks. Well, you're trying to bring the rest of the bottle back. Cause it's look at you, man. Oh, man. Nick was talking about right. Nick was talking about how we had to clean the car because of where we had gone, and uh-huh. we couldn't leave any evidence that we have traveled as far as we have through Australia <laughs> because of the car rental company. So we get uh, the whole car cleaned out, and we're ready to turn it in. And I turn around, and Nick is wearing the T-shirt that says, I made it to the tip of Cape York. And so is somebody else. And maybe Mark was also. The both of them like, what the hell are you doing? We weren't supposed <laughs> to go there. Yeah. Yeah, because we weren't. They rented us a vehicle, and you could actually rent a vehicle to drive up to the tip of the Cape from the one place that would rent us one, but they wanted an additional right. non-refundable $500. So oh, we were like, yeah, we're not doing that. We just didn't say where we were going, and we got back. Oh, no, we went south down around Brisbane and everything, and hung out and came back up. But we had to, except for our T-shirts kind of told a different story. <laughs> that, That's awesome. Yeah, almost had <laughs> T-shirts almost yeah. gave us away. Oh, that's yeah, awesome. yeah, that would have been that would have been an awkward moment. Like, where'd you get the T-shirt then? Uh, uh, yeah. So, do you guys uh, get oh, to like clean that. up before you get on the plane, or do you guys get on the plane smelling like barbarian? The last night, the last night we well, the second to last night we stayed in. We went to a hotel in Cairns. I I want to say it was Cairns, and. That was my only shower the entire trip because I didn't want to smell on the plane. So I took yeah. one shower and I did all my laundry so that I could okay. smell at least decent getting on the plane. Right. Wow. Yeah, we're staying like some uh, pretty cheap backpacker hotel. It was like, you know, 50 U.S. dollars a night or thereabouts, you know, the two of us to a room, but there were showers. It was like, oh, my God. You just look at the drain when you get in there, and just the waters come up. It's just brown. It's like you just, you're just that. A layer of just like dirt that you just, you know, you never achieve that level of dirty in your normal life. Because you're out there in the dirt, and then you're getting sweaty, which is making the dirt stick to you. I mean, it's a level of funkiness that uh, you rarely achieve in normal life. 
thankfully. But, uh, wow. yeah, yeah, shower never felt so good in your life. But, you know, you're, you're, not, you're not going there for comfort and luxury. You're going there to have adventure. And if that requires being sticky, which it seems to always require being sticky. Right. Uh, well, apparently Steve Katz had other plans. Uh, he didn't go there to be uh, <laughs> dirty yeah, and. Uh, <laughs> he, was, he was looking for love, apparently. Yeah. When did it in, um, we had a 15-hour layover in Sydney, and it, uh-huh. this was another point where I was I was pretty close to snapping because <laughs> we were getting to the we were getting to the point where we were being kicked out of the airport. Or uh-huh, right. we had to go to a small section where if you're going to sleep in the airport, you just find a chair or an empty spot on the floor and you just go to sleep. And I had wanted to just go to a, a hotel. We ended up going to, it looks like I want to say an old college dorm that okay. we stayed in that last night. And Stephen is ready to go to a club. He what? wanted to go out clubbing. What? <laughs> We were oh, all man. so tired, and Stephen got mad that we were didn't want to go clubbing. Oh my god! That like, was like really no. <laughs> I would have paid money to see what Owen would have said in that situation. <laughs> uh, I would. It would not have been like, nice things. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Was, yeah, we. Uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, I forgot about there. It's been a stressful period at the end there where huh, it's like 2 in the morning and they're kicking us out of the airport and there's nowhere to go and we can't find a hotel or can't agree on one. And it's all so burned out and tired. And it's kind of like, yeah, Stephen. <laughs> <you know. laughs> well, you uh, okay. about it, considering the abuse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. There's always one in every group, right? You know, I mean, that's just the way it goes. Oh, you have yeah. to have uh, that. Yeah, I mean, uh, he was basically like the court jester of this trip, I think, if anything. <laughs> that was his role, court jester. Oh, man. I mean, somebody, There's one day, gotta... one day we go to um, we go to this lake, Lake Eachum, and it's, I want to say it's a lake inside of... And, and an old volcano. Uh-huh. And yeah, that's right. That's cool. It's about a mile swim across to the other side. And oh, I forgot about the swim. He even <laughs> wants to swim to the other side of this lake. And, you know, it's not like salt water where you can kind of just float, you know. It's, it's the lake. And I, I swam part of the way with him, but... I know that I'm not going to have the energy to swim back. So I swam back, and he continued to the other side with Mitch. And then maybe 45 minutes later, only Mitch returned. <laughs> and, and Steven is still on the other side that he's just spent. And we just pretty much we, we sat there waiting for him to return. And when he came back, his like hat was all wet. Well, because he's trying to stay afloat, you know, and try to swim back to the other side. But he needed, he wanted to prove to us that he could swim, swim the length of a lake. Oh wow! Oh, well, he, he, <coughs> he did do it. I mean, I would have drowned. I know, I, I, but I know that. And if you've ever met Stephen, he's not like in great shape or anything. Like, like, are you sure you can do that, man? Like, a, 
He did make it, but we were literally at one point like, is he dead? Did he drown? Because we haven't seen him in like an hour and a half. And Mitch is like, Mitch is a great swimmer, and Mitch came back in about the time, and came right back, and then like, it was a long time before we saw Steven. Couldn't even wow. see his head bobbing out there. It literally occurred to us, maybe he died. No oh, shit. It's Blake Eason was amazing, and it's kind of a volcanic crater falling with water ring by rainforest, and it's apparently a popular place to go for locals and stuff. Uh, there's a lot of people there, but and there's little fish that kept fighting you, but other than that, pretty amazing. And again, you're, you're so hot and sweaty from being out herping all night and everything, and being able to school off in like a, a lake and everything. It's really, uh, really nice. Oh, that's cool. Man, yeah, do it. Yeah, sounded like an awesome trip for sure. Oh, I've been trying to get you guys to go the last couple of trips. That yeah. is true. Well, my my we wife suck. my wife promised me that if if a trip comes up in this year, that she's actually forcing me to go. You know, <laughs> so. Yeah. The thing to do isn't to wait for a trip to come up. It's to make a trip come up. Just make it happen. Ah. Yeah. 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 Just do it. Yeah, we'll discuss it at Carpet Fest. Carpet Fest. Yeah, I'm going to try to fly out. That was fun last year. I'm going to try to... It'd be fun to show up again. I'm going to swing it. Yeah, that Eric's out. What? Yeah, I already laid plane to a room. Through spare bedroom, that already happened? Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, yeah so. well, you got to reserve early, Matt. Reservations I are know. Rooted. you got to reserve that shit early. Yeah. You're the only guy who could bump my co-host status, like, down a couple pegs, because you I'm, pretty much filled his the entire room. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm I'm coming. I'm traveling the furthest of anybody. That is true. <laughs> yeah. When uh, last time. when Nick when Nick said he was coming, I I called up Owen and I said, uh, "Hey Owen, you lost, you lost your, your room." room. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. Sorry, dude. You're sleeping with the dog. <laughs> There's a hierarchy uh, in everything, see? I know. But, <laughs> but uh, That's it. no, it should be cool. Hopefully, uh, be a good time. hopefully you guys make it. Chris, are you coming? You got to be coming, right? You're coming you again, gotta right? You got to come. Yeah. Well, I gotta. I put in for the time oh, off of work. Oh come on! But I, <laughs> what are you? What are you I'm talking about? I don't want to hear it because because when you talked about going on this trip. I took, I took 41 days off from driving, work. Driving to, from New York to Pennsylvania as opposed to driving halfway around the goddamn world. You know well, what I mean? You have to fly across the world, Eric. You have to fly. Uh, There's oceans yeah. in the way. I, I yeah, will be coming to Carpet Fest as long as I have the time off from work. Okay, good. I got yeah, IJ to, to show you, man. Check those day jobs and... Quit those day jobs and breed reptiles full time, then you don't have to worry about getting time off. <laughs> there you go. 
Nick and Eric, I won't even be picky. I don't need a room like Lucid these guys dream. do. I'll just take a corner on the floor in the living room like I did at Owen Town. <laughs> no, I, Live the dream. I figured you might be coming, Chris, so I, I saved you to couch downstairs. Your, your, oh, your right. name's out this time. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. You got a couch. What the hell do I get in here? So it's like Owen, Owen's sleeping outside now. So yeah. No, no, no. Owen, you have the uh, the Morelia Python Radio Studio. You got the couch in there. Oh, no. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. I'm all right with that. Yeah. <laughs> it is a social – the social, the herpetological social gala of the year. So, it is. Everybody it is. Anybody who's anybody is going to be there in attendance. Yeah, true story. Multiples now because we have to fly to Texas to go to the southern one again. So, you know, you yeah, it's always fun. Spirit Airlines again? Hell no. I don't know. He, <laughs> I, I enjoyed it because he couldn't reach any of the controls for like the air. Oh my god! So like I had the AC like blowing on him and he couldn't stop it because his little hobby arms short, couldn't reach. My arms are great. flailing in the air. I can't reach it. I'm like, turn it off. <laughs> he won't let me turn it off. I'm like you son of a bitch. Yeah. I'm like I enjoy the air. He's like, stop it. It was great. Uh, so I might book spirit just to do that again. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Not. Which one is first? <laughs> What's the date of the Southern Carpet Fest? Southern uh, Carpet Fest is first, April thirtieth, yes. maybe. April twenty eighth and ninth. Is that? Yeah, wait, which yeah. one? Are you it's talking the about the one in April? Yeah, yep. Bill's house. Oh man, now that'll be. I won't be able to make. I, I thought about going, but I got a, a show to do in Portland the weekend before that. I think there's no way kids and whatnot will be no able way to you can do that. Take off out of yeah. town two weekends in a row and stuff. It's uh. That'll be difficult. And when's the Northeast? June third. Is June third. Oh, yep. You know what, Eric? I will be there because I have I took vacation, so I'm definitely going to that one. It's bills that I had to put in for the time. Oh. I will well, definitely you go. be at yours. Good. I got well, tons of IJs to show you, man. Tons of IJs. Oh, great. <laughs> well, tons of IJs. We're filling up. We're filling yeah, up all my IJ collection. Yeah. Speaking of that, every IJ that I try to buy, and then when I contact the person, they're like, "Oh, it just sold." And then, yeah, like, oh, look those. at this IJ I just bought. <laughs> all those are you there. get uh, How's that female of mine that loves you? That wild caught hypo looking girl doing for you there? She's doing good. Um, I I haven't so you know she doesn't look like she's gonna do anything this year. I don't because I moved so. She had to move to my house, then to move to my new house. So, I don't know. That would be the one pairing that uh, uh, I might try. Um, but, yeah, she's – oh, man, that snake is beautiful. I know that's why it's your favorite. I can see why. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah. I got a lot of that stuff, but, I mean, that, that female special. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. The perfect match for that male. Be, oh, I've got it. I've got a few other – Secret IJs I've assembled of late. So. Uh, it's not really secret, and it's like because nobody cares. No, nothing like no, nothing that interesting. What are you talking about? You're talking to the two IJ guys right now, not Owen. And Owen. No, I'm just talking and like Owen. and Owen's here too. Kind of like oh, Owen just went to get a drink. Uh, he's lost interest. Oh, kind of a high quality. I, don't know, stuff. I mean, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm like over morphs per se because it's still kind of fun to you know dig around with, but. I just feel like there's a lot there's the focus has been the hobby has been like 
too morph centered in the last ten years. Mm-hmm. Like people have lost sight of like how many people are really just trying to make normal ass IJs that are just awesome, really awesome high quality IJs. I think not there's me, Chris, and you. <laughs> there's the three of us. Yeah, there's not very many people <laughs> doing that. Like that is, no. and I think that's a worthy <laughs> sort of endeavor to. Uh, so I'm, this year, I mean, I'll have every all the you know usual more stuff and all that. But uh, I mean, I, I think I got more focused this year, this season, when I'm pairing on selective, longer-term selective breeding projects. I mean, this and some of them are coming to fruition. I will probably produce you know really, really striped Darwins this year because I'm actually able to breed stripe to stripe uh, nice. Darwins and stuff, and make uh, you know they take that whole small striped Darwin thing up to the next level, which should be like a pure Darwin tiger, which they already have animals, the adults, that's what they look like anyway. So basically, so I should produce babies and exceed them. Uh, I've got my Palmerston line. I've actually managed to figure out how to produce yellow ones that are yellow, yellow. Uh, I've got a whole clutch from 2016. I, I couldn't sell any of my, dis- I'm keeping all of these. They're precious <laughs> to me. These are all mine. Uh, the ones that, <laughs> They are all mine, and there's like there's you know, like three point seven of them or something. Uh, but they're obviously going to be some shade of yellow and really striped, and that, that kind of stuff takes a lot longer to bear fruit, and it's a lot more work, and you got to hold back whole clutches, and it's just a it's a lot of work. But it, I ultimately think it's more rewarding. I, I feel more satisfaction when I get to something like that comes to fruition and stuff. So and then, yeah, know, wait, wait. Where do you see my melanistic IJs? Where do you see how they turned out? Are they melanistic? Uh, yeah. Getting there. Well, that yeah. So you've proven there is at least some genetic basis for it. Not necessarily how it's working, but it is working on some level. Yes. Yeah. It is heritable, yes. even if it's a multi-locus trait. It, it can be passed along. Well, that's step one. That's yep. awesome. Yeah. You want to wait as long yeah, as you are, are they getting darker with each shed? Yes. Mm-hmm. Except for two of them. There's two of them that are like almost exantic looking. It's really strange. It's 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 just a weird I don't know. I can't explain it. But I'm glad I didn't sell any of them. You know? <clears throat> yeah, I was trying to get some from you. <laughs> and the and the yeah, I know, right? And the people Try that again at Carpet the, Fest. The people that were, uh, uh, you know, saying, oh, well, you know, maybe it's just the uh, the other parent or whatever, you know, and I followed your your advice, Nick, and I bred it to like a GQ IJ that's like the brightest IJ you could possibly, you know what I mean? Like super, super light, bright, uh, no melanin in it at all. So I don't know. Yeah, pretty cool. Because then if you get any dark babies, you know where it came from. You know, it's yeah. coming from mom. You bring yeah. two dark snakes together and you get dark babies, it doesn't tell you anything. You bring a normal snake or a nice snake, a brighter snake to a dark snake, and if you get something dark, you know where, you know which parent was throwing that. So yeah. It's a long process proving stuff out. I mean, I got I to gotta morph. I could potentially prove out this year another one. We'll see. Statistically, cool. most things don't don't pan out, but might have some answers on one, maybe two potential new morphs this year. But I don't know. That's cool. I'm more interested in my my gelatins are breeding like crazy. Like that excites me far more. Like I guess. Oh yeah, that's a badass. Oh, one male. Yes. 
Yeah. One male breeds, one male doesn't. You know it doesn't breed. You know it doesn't really breed. My Xanthic IJ. Like I had those two, and I sent you the proven. I took a gamble and sent you the one that was the proven breeder because I like to look at the other one. Yeah, uh-huh. I think that that was not a good idea. You got the better <laughs> one because you're the one I sent you breeds. I finally caught uh-huh. a lockup yesterday. My season's two thirds of the way over because I start cycling late. I've still got a three weeks of cycling before I can start warming up. I finally saw his lazy ass lockup. For the first time. Wow. So, I, I mean, haven't seen a lock with my Exantic IJ either. I haven't no. seen anything with him. Nope. Huh. I was, I was all, I was so, I have a female adult Exantic too. And I uh, obviously wanted to breed the Exantic pair together and I wanted to breed the Exantic male to a uh, visual granite female. It's a guy who's a couple time over proven breeder. One of those uh, female granites that actually lays good clutches. She's outcrossed. Because <laughs> I made her, and she's outcrossed. And go figure, she lays actually for her legs. It's actually wow. never, never produced an infertile one. Never made a slug, even. Um, go figure. But, uh, yeah, I uh, I actually put my granite male with my exantic female because I'm like, somebody needs to breed this female because if I don't get anything out of her, I'm going to be devastated. Uh, and double heads are better than nothing. It's actually right, right. probably worth more than making visuals, actually. But, uh, the granite male breeder once. Now the exantic. I've seen the I've seen the exantic male breed the granite female once. Now I'm going to put the exantic male with the exantic female. It's one of those rare instances where I can mix and match those two males with those two females as many times as I want. Breed both males to both females, and I will know with absolute certainty who fathered which baby because they're both they're all homozygous for two different recesses. So. Any female Xanthic lays a a dual paternity clutch. Any baby sired by the Xanthic will be Xanthic. Any babies that are normal are double het because they can't not be. And the same with the other one. So even if I interchangeably use those two males, you can tell instantly who the dad of each individual baby is with zero questions because the only two outcomes are, you know, granites or double hets from one or Xanthics or double hets from the other. There's no other possibility. So I'm like, well, I guess – uh, you know, normally I'm really loathe to use more than one male unless it's absolutely like I just have to give up because I don't like – I'm just lazy, but I don't want to have to make a lineage chart that's got two different potential sires. I think it looks unprofessional. Right. Uh, I've, only, I've only ever had one clutch like that. I subsequently figured out I'm pretty sure who the dad actually was definitively, but I couldn't really – I can't say with absolute certainty. But, right. Uh, so I, I really don't do that, but this is one instance where it actually you, you can. Uh, yeah, that's going well. That's I have cool. my first population today. I'm stoked. Can I have a bite? Uh, there you go. Queensland, Queensland water pythons, of all things. Oh, really? That's cool. Yeah, I got a bunch of other. I've got. People talk about carpets all the time. I think I just breed carpets or something. I have probably the best life. It's one of the best life collections in the world. I have everything. I got. I've got nine adult olive pythons, and three of them are albinos. I've got maclots. I've got all water pythons. I've got New Guinea water pythons, Queensland water pythons, and and Northern Territory water pythons. I've got freaking guns pythons. I've got I have everything. I have literally every life as you can possibly get. Every population of maclots, roti, samal, and timor. That's awesome. Yeah, damn laces. Straight up your alley, Owen. I need more. (laughs) Yeah. I got a female dun that's got nine enormous follicles. Uh, Now you have my interest. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't don't think 
think anything's going to come of it. I no. Well, they're so rare. They're so rare that there's no data. There's no like, oh, well, they get this big. How big do they need to be to breed? Who knows? No one can tell you because there's none around. And right. I always figure they're about halfway between a Sabu and a Maclot. Probably that's been my guesstimate. And that seems to be about right because this female's not that big. She is maybe eleven hundred, maybe a thousand grams, eleven hundred grams soaking wet at most, and it's full of follicles. But she filled up with follicles before I even started cooling or anything. I hadn't done anything. Also, she's just all lumpy. I'm like, oh, I guess I'll be putting put them together this year. I was gonna give them one more year just for good measure because I'm paranoid to hurt them since they're absolutely irreplaceable. And uh, right, yeah, I don't know. Maybe something will happen, but I'm pessimistic, I guess. But apparently, they're capable of reproducing at quite small sizes. Yeah. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. You still have Mac last summer? I do. Um, I have two juvenile females and a boy. The boy's actually on breed loan right now, trying to make babies. Um, and then I have a pair of water pythons that the male will finally be big enough next year. And then I have the pair of olive pythons that I keep trying to do something with and uh, trying to avoid now the purchase a, of another male, but that's going to end up happening probably this summer. So Cheap ass, just get another male. I know. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so. uh, little thing about those lice is, is that they will breed way smaller than people think. Like, all of yeah. my male olive pythons live in tubs because the male olive pythons are producing sperm when it's about the diameter of a quarter. They do not need to be great big giant things, and little tiny ones seem to breed better. Males, anyway, they don't need to be. Yeah. They don't need to be nearly as big as you think. Uh, you have Queensland Fuscus. You have the Mussorgs. unknown Fuscus. I have the unknown Fuscus. I think uh, they're you probably have the Queensland and or New Guinea or some mix thereof, it's which a mix, are genetically kind of they're the, the same snake. Because no one really has Northern Territory ones here. I mean, I do, but that's right. really about the only one. Um, are yours mellow or are they jerks? I have the boy is mellow, and I feel bad for him because the female I have to cover her cage or she will do serious damage to her face, trying to kill me through plastic. So you love that? Like I, I do, and it's like going into her cage is always a freaking trip. So well, I don't and, know and, if you have a scale, but my I've got my male Queensland water is. I think he's 13 or 14 years old now, but he started, and he's still tiny, but he started breeding about 400 grams, uh, which is really? so your male is probably your male is probably big enough this year. Um, they are oh, they don't need to be yeah, and the female started breeding at about a thousand grams, uh, so they don't need uh, to be nearly as big. They'll breed small. Well, maybe I'll maybe I'll weigh them, and then if I really want to just ruin my life, I'll try to. Make it that she has eggs to protect when I go in there next time. So, <laughs> you know, I feel really like even really off. nasty females when you got to go pull them off their eggs. Usually, so tired from laying in a clutch, they don't fight you much. Usually, sure. not that bad. But uh, I mean, I got like a, I had a clutch of tanabar pythons last year. I might get a clutch this year too. And it's like that snake is the most evil thing that has ever existed, and it was easy to get off her eggs. She's just too tired to fight. <laughs> like this. Uh, the only time I think yeah, I've ever touched her without bleeding. We slugged out on Tanabars last year, and then this year uh, ended up procuring another male uh, to try to get 
like I guess because you said you you kind of threw them all together in one cage. So we're going to be trying that thing where it's like everybody can kind of almost compete with each other, I guess, a little bit better. So I'd like to point something out know. since you weren't actually supposed to say that over the air. Um, Shit, because I don't want to. I don't want to like encourage people to do really sketchy, risky stuff. Right. And with a species of eighty species of scrub python or carpet, for that matter, but scrubs especially. Leaving more than one male together for any period of time, you are playing with some serious fire. You could very well end up with a dead thing. They fight and yeah. they fight and they will and they can and have been known to kill each other. So that is not something I want to. I don't. I want the record to show I'm not encouraging anybody to do this foolishness. <laughs> uh, you know, it's kind of like a, you have been warned. Don't don't. Miss, I'm not trying to advocate for doing that. Don't be You're surprised. You're taking a serious risk by doing that. By doing right. such things. Uh, I can say that having more than one male and combating males with that particular species, uh, I've, I've had about ten clutches of them over the years. Only two clutches had yeah. any fertile eggs in them. The first clutch had fertile eggs. The last clutch had fertile eggs. All the clutches in the middle had no fertile eggs. The first clutch I used two males and let them fight, and I got good eggs. The eight clutches in the middle I did not use two males. They bred. But there was never a second male present. I got bad eggs. Last time, two males, good eggs. So I'm not too smart, but it does seem to be that when I have more than one male, that competition, how, like, males competing would possibly influence fertility doesn't make any biological sense to me whatsoever. But no. the two times I did that, I did well. It was eight times in the middle. I had a bunch of clutches over a period of years. I just never posted pictures of because it was like, most people are very reticent to post pictures of failures. I mm. kind of do it now. I post pictures of shitty clutches and stuff just because it's, it's probably important for people or hobbyists who are just starting out and doing this stuff to realize, like, yeah, this happens to everybody. Not necessarily. Right. I know what I'm doing. Sometimes things are beyond your control, and you'll never know why. Why is this two identical everything, you know, two things with identical cages, identical, you know, species and everything, and one gives you a perfect clutch, and one that you do the exact same thing gives you bad eggs. You know, why is that? Uh, there's a kind of a random sort of nature to things, and it's kind of important, I think, probably that people just get started to realize that, you know, even people that are pretty successful at breeding things occasionally crap out. Uh, it happens yeah. to everybody. So uh, and it, It's going to happen to me this year. I'll probably have – every year I have three or four whole clutches that go in the garbage where they're either all bad or you get those ones where they're all fertile, but there's something wrong with them and the embryos just kick off one at a time. By the end of it, you got like one baby that hatches and croaks or something in that kind of thing where there's a week, yeah. you know, something like that. It's, you know, birth is bad. Right Hell, I, had two, I had two two-headed snakes in the same clutch last year. Jesus. Sired by your male granite, your male exantic, IJ, to my granite female, who is a twin, produced two two-headed double heads. Both oh, wow. dead because they're all kinked up. <laughs> Yeah, there's there only seven eggs. Seven eggs, two of them had two-headed snakes in them. So it still well, survived, but it sucked, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, so, yeah, look forward to that. Are you breeding your exantic by any chance this year? Me? No. Now, I kind of, I'm kind of like taking the year, well, I'm really kind of taking the year off because Owen and Matt were telling me horror stories of, when they moved, how their snakes just had nothing but problems. So, yeah, I'm not in any uh, rush. Yeah, that's, that is a true story they're telling you. Uh, yeah. I, it's like, 
quit my job and started breeding full time like eleven years ago. But right. about two years, after, I didn't have a snake building initially. I built that about two years after I quit my day job. Uh huh. And whenever you hire a contractor to do anything, it's never on time, and so it's months mm-hmm. late getting finished. Because when they finish the outer shell, that I had to do all the drywall work and wiring and all that stuff. So I basically got my building done three months later than it was supposed to be done. It was supposed to be done in plenty of time for the breeding season, not miss a beat. So I had to move everything. Basically, I started cycling about over two months after uh, after the date I normally would have, like two like two and a half months late. Right. And I had things that were going. They were, but they had been cycled at the same time every year for a decade. So they're all going off seed at the normal time of year. That that process of follicles developing and all that, that's not just something that happens entirely in response to what you're doing that year. Um, they get into an annual rhythm, and that train had left the station two months before I started cycling. And so I had the worst season of my – nothing got sick or died, but I had the worst season I had ever had. I produced a total of, like, 81 babies uh, for the year. For the entire mm-hmm. year, 81 babies, which you can see how much how many snakes I have. For me to produce 81 babies is absolutely just unfathomably terrible. Uh, and not even a really awesome 81 babies either. It was just kind of everything took the year off or, you know, they were uh, – I did get a bunch of olive pythons that year, and by chance I was pulling the glass out that I put on the top of the egg boxes, and I grabbed the same exact piece of glass that I had used for that same female's clutch the year before. And she uh-huh. laid on the same day, two years. She laid on exactly the same day, two years in a row, even though I started cycling two and a half months later. Just shows that that process is already well underway before I even did anything. Right. Uh, and you, you have a window of time that they need to, you know, to get those males breeding with those females and everything. And what will happen is if you move and you disrupt them and stress them, you're going to miss that window. And it's, yeah, it's, if you're going to ever take a year off or take it real life, this would be the year. Yeah, uh, especially if you're moving kind of like close to the, you know, if you move in the spring or early summer, you might be arrived, but it does really disrupt them. Yeah, because I moved like in September, it was, you know, I figured it was uh, better than all. It was good to good to take the year off. So, <laughs> oh, it moved in December. What was it? December. Oh, it moved in December. Right? Yeah. Oh, Jesus yeah, it moved in December. So uh, I I really messed that all up. So, you know. <clears throat> yeah, I figured yeah, I hit it. I hit it. Hit it hard the following year. You know, everything will be good and dialed in, and you know, I'd rather do that. Time of year now, or I'm like aggressively trying to make more snakes, and I have so many freaking babies sitting here. Like I have like 200 <laughs> babies sitting on the shelf. Why am I trying to make more of these things? You're kidding me. What am I doing to myself? Yeah. Every year I fix these thoughts, and it always seems to work out. But I'm like, where are these all going to go? And then, you know, I've got to. They're I gotta gone. Get on. I gotta, <laughs> uh, never quite that. I wish it was that easy, but I gotta. I should make more of an effort to actually sell snakes. <laughs> you gonna? You're not. Your example's not breeding at all this year, Chris, or you haven't tried him? Uh, he's with a female, but. Uh, I haven't seen anything. Um, for the most part, they've stayed as far away from each other as possible. Well, that's not what you want. Uh, nope. <laughs> and everything else I have has uh, has locked up. I mean, I've seen locks for maybe the last month, maybe two months. How big is your male example? 
Um, I want to say he was about 600 grams. Well, on the small side, but big enough. Do you ever, like, uh, my... during the breeding season, pop your males and kind of check their heavy beans? Males that are uh, kind of in a reproductive mode, their heavy peens will be really small most of the year, and then during the breeding season, their heavy peens will literally be like three times bigger than normal. They're literally just engorged all the time. And they'll obviously right. be sperm in them and stuff. Sometimes you get males, like the ones that don't seem to have any interest in breeding, you'll pop them. They've still got little tiny heavy peens and no sperm plugs. It's kind of like they're just not in that, you know, in that mode. But uh, sometimes you don't have to fully – it's hard to pop an adult male. you got to be really careful. But mm. usually you don't even have to fully pop them. You just, like – Go like halfway to popping them. If they're producing sperm and are rare and actually ready to go, you get two little sperm will pop out one on either side of the cloaca, and that'll tell you like, well, he's ready. And you should. <laughs> when you see that, those males virtually always breed. If you don't see it, it's, that's the ones that aren't. Just for whatever reason, they're not in a reproductive mode, uh, whether it's maturity or yeah, they're just. You do get the occasional stud male that doesn't breed. Right. Uh, which. Is, I thought my mail was a dud too until literally yesterday. So. <laughs> Here I am. Set Eric back to one that I set back Eric back to one that breathes like a champ and he's not even breeding it. <laughs> yep, dead. Yep. It's about right. <laughs> Killer. I have a male that's breeding now that's so small when he's locked up with the female you can't even see him. He just disappears under her. <laughs> that's, that's I, I like those little guys like that. And he pretty much guaranteed that he's going to stay that size now. Yeah, you're done now. <laughs> Worst thing you can possibly do is become a proven male. Now you get no food. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Heck yeah. I learned that trick early on, though. You keep them uh, mean and lean. <laughs> yeah. That is true. Yeah. They do eventually creep up in size like that. I don't think I even own a male carpet that weighs he's even a thousand grams. I mean, you're all under a thousand, but I've got some really old snakes, like way older than most people. I got I look around like most of my Antaresia are in their like mid teens. They're all like, you know Jesus. thirteen, fourteen, sixteen years old. That's kinda of most of them are in that age group. Age group. Wow. Yeah, I got any number of carpets that are 15 to 17 years old and stuff. And those males, I try to keep them small, but eventually they will just creep a little bit. So I got a bunch of them that are scaring the hell out of 900 grams or something. You know, Still, most people would be way smaller than most people's males. But I will right. crack up and sometimes because you know, you're on Facebook or whatever and people have to post pictures of snakes and they post a picture of some male that it just like it's like six feet long. It's some <laughs> giant male. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I have one. I bought a. Uh, I bought what was supposed to be a female IJ, that was uh, two thousand grams, and that's the one that tried to kill a male of mine. But I didn't bother sexing it because who would have a male that was two thousand grams? And uh, I should have sexed shit. it because it, you know, it ended up being a male. It's coastal size. Well, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I, uh, I've got a giant male Tully jungle that was supposed to be a female. I have literally, talk about feeling like a dummy. I mean, I think all, we all make dumb mistakes and we just don't tell anybody when we make dumb mistakes. Right. And I'll tell you guys. I'll share with the world my latest, <laughs> latest in a long series of dumbass mistakes. Uh, 
everybody's had that, Holly, you had that moment where you realize you had a pair of snakes that you got the male and the female mixed up when they were babies. Yes. Uh, and then you end up with a giant male and a tiny female. Uh, <laughs> I have, I've got 2.2 adult Tully Gorge jungles, and uh-huh. I have never been able to get this. These, they're seven years old now. It's like these things will not breed. And it turns out I've just been trying to breed a male to another male and a female to a female for all this time. Uh, oh, I wondered shit. why nothing ever happened. Well, well, one male is weird. He's like he's got brown on him, like he's like bright yellow and black, and then the black pattern in the centers of it it lightens up to like a weird brown color. It's really kind of a it's a it's a look you see in wild jungle carpets frequently, but you don't see it in our captive lineage because we just bred that look out of existence. And I think it's kind of neat looking because you just don't oh. see a three color jungle carpet anymore. They're all right. these two colors, and then they're all black and yellow. But I'm kind of over bright yellow and black. That's Bright yellow and black snakes are a dime a dozen. There are a million of them. You can get one for 100 bucks. They're everywhere. Of some variety. So I'm just bright yellow and black. But a bright yellow and black as anything else is not really so readily available. So I wanted to breed right. this one male. Well, it turns out the male to try to breed predominantly. I finally gave the other male a shot. Uh, and he breeds like a champ. Like, oh, because I actually put an actual male. Because the male with the brown on it is actually a female. And, uh, and the female I've been trying to breed it to is this big striped female that's actually a male. It's like, it's, just, it's just ridiculous. Like, I'm just, and it's like a complete dummy. Like, I should, I could have produced these like four years ago. And a year, <laughs> like, oh, man, these things suck. Like, I think there's something wrong with them. It's like, yeah, it's, no, I've just been putting the wrong, putting two males in one cage, and then, but they didn't fight. Like, they never fought. They finally this they year, just, like, they fought. I'm like, like, why are they, why are I hearing some banging around in there? Like, oh, crap. And I just, like, grabbed the bigger one's tail and just pitched the base of it with my thumb. Didn't try to pop it, just pitched it, and just sperm just shoots out. I'm like, son of a bitch. I'm like, well, I guess that mystery <laughs> solved now. But <laughs> so I was back to check the other one, and like, ugh, four years wasted. Well, I think I'll probably get uh. something this year finally out of the, that is the one female. Plus, how long did it take me to get that seven-year-old female up the side? It's like seven years old and is literally like 650 grams. Oh, wow. Uh, oh, <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah, well, it, was, it, was yeah. A, it was a male. Yeah, it was a boy. Jesus. Yeah, well, yeah. I did uh, I did a trade for uh, with Mike Curtin. Uh, I don't know. It was like two years ago, maybe. Maybe it was a year. I can't remember how long ago it was. But... um. It was for the male tiger IJ, and I, literally, I, I have never seen an IJ male. This I, I was like, oh my god, this thing yeah. is so big. I was like, holy shit, Mike, from what the Mike Curtin? Yeah, I'm yeah, like, what I, the I, fuck I, are you feeding this thing? <laughs> I, I picked him up for you at the Why show, and like, you're like, not gonna like this. Oh my god. Oh, so. Uh, it's bigger than any of my females. That's how big. It has to be easy. What would you say, Owen? Two thousand grams? Some of that. It's 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 large. It's medium-sized male coastal, in my opinion. So yeah. it's like, uh, yeah. I'm like, wow. So. Like, holy shit. That's surprising. Mike knows that's not necessary. I'm quite sure of that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I don't know. Like maybe just. I, I don't know, but I was just like, "Holy shit, Mike! This thing is fucking huge! It's just so big!" Yeah. Like, God damn. 
But uh, I won't even. I won't. I won't buy a big mail. Like I was just saying. I would say the wreck, but I mean it's like I don't want to have to howl the mail. Just I don't want to have to. I got a lot of snakes, and you know, cages for bigger accommodations for breeding size females are always at a premium. They never have enough yeah. cage space for large adults. You know, so you keep your male small, so you don't need to give them big cages, and it works out better reproductively anyway. So I never, right. I couldn't bring myself to give a male a cage I could be housing an adult female in because it's just that big. I mean, I'm doing yeah. that currently, but the situation with the Tully, I just figured this out like three days ago. So <laughs> <laughs> we haven't, I don't know my long-term solution is. Oh, yeah. and, and the other, the, the, the even dumber part is, of the 2.2, Two were ba- two of them. I thought both females were striped and both males were banded. But it turns out that there's a striped male and a striped female and a banded male and a banded female. So I could have oh, been wow. breeding beautiful, <laughs> like bright yellow striped animal to another bright yellow striped animal. They're like 90% striped and a beautiful locality specific brightly colored striped awesomeness. And I didn't. And I can't even do it this year either. Because now I now because the banded male bred the striped female, and finally got locked. So I got I can't change horses in the middle of the race. I got to see that through. If I keep that big ass one around. I guess I can breed stripes to stripe one next year. But it's oh well. At least now I know what I have. Right. right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I know. So, I, yeah, I've been waiting I, for I've been waiting for them forever. I, you know, I'm glad to hear you finally figured out the <laughs> the deal. Uh, <laughs> I've got a bunch of them. I've got when I said I got four, I actually have eight. But I've got two groups of them, I guess. One thing, right? And uh, no, I've seven. Sorry, and, uh, a one point two group, and then I've got a separate two point two group. And did actually get a few babies last year, like one point two. It was like a crappy clutch, three babies. You know, end up at the end of the day, and I just kept them. Right. I do a lot of that. I, every year, I have whole clutches that. People don't even know about it. Just keep the whole clutch. Like, I, I got to do something now. Somebody getting buried alive and hold back. Like, I don't know what I'm thinking. Like, I'm just in denial of physics or something. Like, I literally have 20 ivory jungles from 2015. 20 of them. I have two clutches of 10, and I kept both clutches. Every baby. I have all 20 of them. Like, from Opposite. I'm not keeping everything. You try to sell everything? I'll keep maybe I, one from a clutch and then everything else goes. But I mean, I wow. already have well, so I, much room, too. Some of these, like, longer term projects, they really, yeah, I mean, well, like those ivories, they're and genetically, they. Somewhere in those 20 babies, there's going to be a couple of them that are going to be the greatest ones I've ever produced. Based on what their parents look like and how these things work, there's going to be out of that, there's going to be two of those out of that 20 that are going to exceed either of their parents and just be the greatest thing since sliced bread. If I mm. sell them before they change completely, I will, knowing my dumbass luck, I'll sell the best ones because that's happened to me a bunch of times before. 
And frankly, I've gotten sick of buying back my own babies for ten times what I sold for. <laughs> so I just keep it till I know. I mean, there's probably some I could part with now, I suppose, that I could probably rule out of being, you know, at the top of the heap, I guess. But it's, you know. Yeah. Oh, and I produced, I produced only three babies, two 75% ivory blood jungles and the 75% ivory blood zebra. I just kept all those. I guess there's 23 of them. Because uh, we, you know, I still got all the, those are 2016. I basically have just kind of away everything from the last two years. So. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that? That verb, yothering? Yeah. 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 That's, that's old school. <laughs> yeah. It is. That, yeah. I'm, well, I'm, I'm the definition of old school. I am, I am old. Yeah, me too. Nick. I'm yeah. right there with you. <laughs> These young guys. Yeah, I've been doing the I've been doing the carpet thing for like over 20 years. I mean, I've been. I mean, I got my first carpets in 1994. Uh, some of these people listening to the show were even born in 1994. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 1994. I was on tour playing yeah. guitar. That's what I was doing. <laughs> I didn't even have. I remember I remember buying the Barker's Australian Python book when it came out. <laughs> it was oh, wow. new. And it came out in <laughs> 93 or whatever, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was the, yeah. I was Old saying timer. a couple of weeks ago, I was I was saying a couple of weeks ago, remember, remember in the days of MP when, you know, you go on the forum and the Darwin, cate- you know, like the I, Darwin yeah. sub-forum. It was like one You picture. would just dream. Yeah. You would dream of having a Darwin, and now nobody like nobody cares. Nobody gives a shit. It's yeah. just like, eh, no yeah, yeah, whatever. Except me, well, probably Nick, and a couple other people. You know, it's just like it's cause there's, nobody cares. Well, you have two things to blame for that. One is people's obsession with Morse. And yeah, right. We we can get stuff now like that. You can actually have a Darwin carpet, and then a third factor is. Facebook, unfortunately, which I really wish you could go back in time and uninvent that, but it seems like yeah. we're stuck with it. For Me too. But it has a negative price associated with it, but uh, Facebook kind of puts everybody together, and so you see, you know, before when we just had, like, forums, like, all us Americans hang out on American forums, and the Australians and Europeans hang out on their own respective forums. There was a little intermingling, but not a tremendous amount. And right. now everybody's in one giant pile together. So everybody in the U.S. is constantly seeing Australian hobbyists posting stuff, not even necessarily realizing they're Australian hobbyists. So they become desensitized to these things, and they get this weird impression that these things are readily available. I literally had somebody today ask me if I had any Mercado this year. Uh, yeah, I get probably that. two people a month asking me. Uh, they seem to have this weird idea in their head. The Imbricata are readily available in the United States and are relatively inexpensive. So they should be, you know, it must be like 500 bucks a pair of your Imbricata this year. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> because they see pictures on freaking Facebook, so therefore they just assume everything is like that. So they don't really, some things are actually rare, and people don't seem to really appreciate how rare they are or even really are as aware of that as they used to be. Right. So it, it, right. it becomes desensitized to it. You see pictures of them all the time, you just say, oh, well, I've been there, done that. Don't need to get excited about that. Or... <laughs> also, so, I think so. We're, the older you are, you have more an appreciation for wild-type forms of things. Right. Because that's yeah. what there was. That's what got you into it, was that interest in kind of the natural 
side of things and not the sure. more praise, which is just intrinsically tied up with money and the illusion that you're going to get rich and all this sort of nonsense. And that get-rich-quick scheme sort of mentality has really embedded itself in the hobby, and it's, you're never going to get rid of it, and that's unfortunate. And so it's just it's, it's changed the mindset of people who got into the hobby in the last five, eight, nine, ten years. A lot of them, it's, it's just morphs. Morphs, like, like things don't have value unless there's a freaking morph involved. And you see these people, and you know who I'm talking about within our community. You're all thinking of a couple people right now. And it's uh-huh. literally just the only thing that matters. The only thing that matters is the morph. It's like, why the hell would I even bother having a pair of inland carpets? There's no morphs, so therefore they're worthless. There's no point. It's like it's, it's like we de- they define the value of something or it's wor- how worthwhile it is to work with by the number of mutant broken genes you can get for that thing. It's like how much you can break it, and it's and that's kind of sad. Like I I like morphs and I screw around. I have I have all of them. I literally have every single morph you can possibly attain, all of them. But the base morphs I don't give a crap about combinations because I don't cross them, obviously. But, I mean, it's, that's neat. I guess it's fun to, you know, noodle around with, but there's so much more to appreciate with this stuff, you know. Uh, you know, I, okay. when I was looking, yeah. well, me and Chris, when we were looking for jungle carpets around Jalot and we weren't hoping we'd find an albino one, we were looking for a wild carpet <laughs> that looks like <laughs> a wild carpet. You know, wasn't hoping, oh, it's a hypo. I mean, like, who gives a crap? It's like you're, you're there. Uh, I mean, there's, there's a great deal to appreciate uh, and other aspects of the hobby beyond just the morph stuff, and I really wish people would, more people would have a greater appreciation for the natural beauty of these things. They're not, they're not broken. Right. You don't need morphs to fix them. You don't need a, a Darwin carpet. Need not be an albino to be desirable. It's pretty freaking awesome by itself. Doesn't need to, an albino is not an improvement on a normal Darwin. It's different than normal Darwin, and maybe that's cool, but it's not better than and stuff. And this, you know, that I, I don't know. So I'm, I'm actually trying to, like, find more normal, pure jungles currently. Like, like when, some people are looking at it going backwards, but I'm actually, like, the things I'm adding now are mostly just wild, like, nice wild types of things, but I don't have enough wild types or enough diversity. Uh, right. Stuff. I seem like that's the area I want to bolster more. Like, I should make more bright, awesome jungles that are just jungles that don't have to be super zebras, you know, and this kind of stuff. So. Yeah. I think that was one of the good things that came out of the trip was it made me it made me more interested in the the wild type stuff. Just as soon as I got home I went on the internet and I would go on the I would go on the Australian like the, even the older forums or uh just Google image search uh the different localities. So when we were in Australia we would pass all the different roadhouses. And the roadhouses were all named after those areas. And, uh, you know, if you could do a search for that, the name of the roadhouse, and there were carpets that had that name to them. You know, or some, oh, yeah. or some of the rivers right. there. Oh, That's cool. Yeah. Oh, look, you oh, know. there's Tully. Oh, now we're in Palmerston. Oh, oh, now we're in Atherton. We, were, we ate lunch twice in Atherton. Wow. Oh, and... Back to Stephen Capps. Yeah. Remember when he was hitting on the and trying to flirt with the really good-looking girl that worked at the restaurant where we were eating at? <laughs> I thought we were done oh. with him. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, yeah, circle back. Continue. Since, since you brought it up, you mean the note that he left for the waitress after the 
The bill? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. And I'm just looking like this waitress, and I'm looking at Stephen Castle like, you, you are really optimistic. Like, that is like, that's like, uh, like, what does that have to do? Trying to talk about carpets, and Nick's got to bring that up again. Yeah. You yeah. always circle back. Fine. That's right. That's yeah, I think uh, I think at some point we're probably going to uh, to get cut off here. Yeah. So. Come yeah, down I gotta to the I got to get running anyway. Yeah. Boys, it's been great talking to you guys as always. Likewise. Definitely. All right, Actually, gentlemen. Be a carpet fest. Talk to you next right. time. All right. See you, Nick. Bye, See Nick. You, Nick. Yep. All right. Let's get rid Nick of Salami, and then we can do other stuff. Yeah. Nah, Chris. I, I wanted to try to talk some IJs with you, but, you know, you know that's, that's no. how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, uh, we'll, save that when, for, uh, we'll save that for when uh, Rob Owen's on vacation. Is on. And, uh, yeah. yeah, not around. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Uh, if you want to give me the night off and grab Rob Stone and Chris Lemmy and do an IJ show, I'm all right with this. I'm not going to fight you. So, okay. you know, <laughs> uh, fair you enough. can't do it to the, if you try to replace me, I'll kill you. So, you know, I'm just saying. Oh, and I told you before, there's no replacing you. You're a one-of-a-kind guy. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you will never oh, be replaced. Story. You will never be replaced, my friend. You know, if we'll one of us dies, we time to talk IJs at Carpet Fest. Yeah, yeah, it's yes. true. It's a true story. But uh, yeah, well, I'm glad that. Uh, yeah, well, I'm glad you got to go on the trip at least. And uh, sorry we couldn't go, but always next time, I guess. Yeah. You know, oh, next always time. next time. Set up that uh, that jar, like. Uh, who said that? Uh, Mike Pinnell? The jar. Yeah. yeah. The jar? <laughs> yeah, he's got jars everywhere, all kinds of jars. <laughs> he's filling them up one by one. But uh, now it wasn't all that expensive, you said, right? It wasn't that bad. Uh, the, the most expensive part was the airfare. I actually just paid it off now, but um, the most expensive part was the airfare, and then everything else was just, uh, you know, buying food, uh you know, but you're not you're not spending a ton of money. It was expensive, like buying water and uh, in those smaller towns. But uh, as long as you were in a major a major town at a supermarket, I mean, prices were no different than here. Gotcha. That's awesome. But, but it was worth cool. it. The uh, cool. money was worth it. Well spent. Awesome. All right, Chris. Uh, so uh, yeah, I'll see you in April. Is it April? Yeah, yeah, April at uh <laughs> at Bill's, right? At Bill's house, yeah. Yeah, I got I got to start looking for tickets to there, but yeah, I'm I, I have off, so I'm definitely going. I just got to get the uh, flight booked. So I guess uh, let's maybe coordinate it if you want. I don't know. I guess both you guys are going. Oh, and you're still up in the air. Or are you Are you definitely going? What about Bill's? Uh, yeah, I should be able to go. Um, I have to do. Uh, we have to do. I have to do bills, and then I have to do uh, either I'm flying out to Colorado or Utah to see my sister. I think a couple months later, so it's like gotcha. it's going to be a busy spring summer for me. But I should be able to do bills. Um, if not, I, I don't know. I'll sell a bunch of baby snakes, and we'll we'll get the bills somehow. 
So. Okay. Well, I'll start looking and see uh, see if I can find something. And if I find something cheap, yeah. I'll let you guys know. And yeah, Chris, you'll have a good well, we time also, down there. It's a blast. Yeah. We also got to tell yeah, Matt I, I'm because pretty disappointed Matt was thinking about coming on. So. Oh yeah, Matt and his Matt wife. wanted to come. Yeah, yeah, Matt and Kim wanted to come too. So there's that. Yeah. If you think I'm high end, where do you see Bill's spot? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> there's there's Eric high end and then there's Bill high end and Bill, Bill high end. Yeah. And that's high end. <laughs> but what about uh, Owen high end? Uh, there's no such Owen? thing. Anyway. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Be reasonable. Yeah. Uh but uh all right, let's let's wrap this up and uh Get going. So, all right, Chris. All right. Thanks I for will, uh, coming see you on. Then. All right, man. Yeah, anytime. Yep. Right. Bye. Bye. All righty. Another one in the books. It feels weird that I'm. Uh, it's nine o'clock, and usually we're starting by this now. This is when the show that... should be starting. So yes. <laughs> Damn it. You know, I now have to go upstairs and put up with Jim for like several hours now because it's. Oh, I'm. I'm so know, sorry, Owen. You should be. You should be. Sorry, I apologize. The deepest part of my heart. God <laughs> uh, damn it. So. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see. Don't forget, go and vote for us. Uh, day, I guess every day you have to go and vote. The links, post them all over the place. They're on the pick of the week. Morelia Python Radio page all over the place. Reptile Report. Go there and vote. Vote on the other categories as well if uh, – you know, there's tons of categories. You know somebody and all. in them. Yeah, yeah, it's good to uh, it's good to uh, to show some appreciation for people that work hard uh, for the hobby. Uh, so, yeah, go show them some love and show us some love too while you're over there. Like I said, if you dig what we do, and uh, you know, it's a no-brainer. If you hate our guts, then don't vote for us. Then what can then I say? Don't vote for us. <laughs> Why are you listening? I mean, it's, yeah, it's that simple. Why, why are why are you here? So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so okay, uh, MoreliPythonRadio.com is our website. Uh, Morelia Python Radio Facebook, Morelia Python at Twitter. Our email is info at MoreliaPythonRadio.com. Um, and we got Carpet Fest coming up. Uh, Northeast yep. Carpet Fest is. June 3rd, um, I'm going to be posting up some hotel stuff and whatnot that's local. It's in Warminster, PA. Uh, So if you have any questions or anything, feel free to reach out for me. I guess the best place to find up-to-date info would be the Northeast Carpet Fest Facebook group. Uh, That's where we all chat amongst each other. Um, So... um, try to get this stuff squared away way before it's time. I already started working on my house <laughs> to try to get shit together. So well, I'm not we, doing it the week yeah. before like Owen and Howard would do and be all stressed out and freaking out and all, but, well, you're uh, going to get stressed out, but you know, go oh, on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's definitely a good time. Uh, it's definitely fun. If you're down in the South, anywhere by Texas or can make it out there. There's the Southern carpet fest, which is also a a blast, uh, which is at Bill's house. Um, he's in Arlington, Texas, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yes. So uh, yes. definitely a good time down there. Meet a lot of people, a lot of Chondro guys, a lot of ball python people, uh, carpet people, you know, just a, just a good mix of, uh, of people down there. So, uh, you know, if you have the chance, you definitely should uh, try to make it out. Uh, what else? Uh, I do have, I think I have three calendars left. Um, so really? yeah, if anybody wants to grab one, uh, let me know, um, send me a message on Facebook. I'll give you my, uh, PayPal. They're 15 bucks shipped in the U S 20 bucks shipped outside of the U S. Um, so there's that myself, EB Morelia, ebmorelia.com. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all those things. And my email is eric at ebmorelia.com. Um, that's all I got. Cool. Uh, what I got is you can go to rogue-reptiles.com. You can check out all the stuff we got going on there. You can also look up rogue-reptiles at facebook.com. And uh, we are going to have a bunch of babies coming up. We have a reptile show in Hamburg on the 25th. You can be there. Awesome. Uh, I'll my stuff. I usually share a table with Amanda Snyder of Ugly Snake Industries. She'll be there, too. Um, and definitely check out that stuff. That's all I got. That's all we got. It's been a great show. We'll catch everybody back here next week for some more Morelia Python Radio. Good night. <laughs>